Hey everybody, Joe here from the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. If you enjoy what we do here on the show and you think it's worth your hard-earned money, you can support the show via Patreon. Just a $1 donation gets you access to bonus episodes, our Discord, and regular episodes before everybody else. If you donate at an elevated level, you get even more bonus content. A digital copy of my book, The Hooligans of Kandahar, and a sticker from our Teespring store. Our show will always be ad-free and is totally supporter-driven. We use that money to pay our bills, buy research materials that make this show possible, and support charities like the Kurdish Red Crescent, the Flint Water Fund, and the Halo Trust. Consider joining the Legion of the Old Crow today. And now back to the show. All right. Well, let's do our introduction. Uh, welcome to Verily There's Ye Affliction, a Mormon history podcast. Um, <laughs> That's right. These are no, your a, uh, normal hosts of Lions Led by Donkeys, actually. <laughs> These, this is just a normal thing that we do. The three of us normal guys just hanging out. Uh, and of course, this is the guy that you know and love and have always loved. Kyle, here to, here to speak to you. Brother Kyle. Brother Kyle, excuse me. Speaking of brother, brother, Greg, want to introduce yourself to our normal listeners here? Yes, I am Brother Greg. I am Bishop of the Avenues Ward in Salt Lake City. It is a pleasure to be here today, brothers and sisters. Thank you so much. Aloha. My heart heart is full. And I am Elder Jordan, and I'm here to speak to you about the gospel of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and how it kind of took a militaristic turn in the 19th century. So that's fun. Really quickly, ladies and gentlemen, are you ready to accept white Jesus as your personal (laughs) Lord and Savior? I I know. I know I sure am. But also, we've got a visitor in our ward today. And of course, that visitor (laughs) and guest is Joe Kasabian. Hello, Joe. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm a longtime listener, first time guest. Uh, I don't know what to introduce myself as, except I'm assuming apostate. I, I feel you're just I don't know fucking you're anything. You're what's I, called I, you're what you are what we call an investigator around these parts. <laughs> I don't like yeah, I I, I love obviously uh everyone, these are the hosts of Brigham Young Money, a show that I have guested on. I'm a huge fan of. And I don't even how long ago was I in your show? It feels like forever ago. It was like a year ago. Was it really? No, no it I, wasn't. It was like, I was in Hawaii. Like six months like two ago. months ago. I don't know. Wait, are you yeah. not in Hawaii anymore? No, I still am, but oh. I haven't been here a year yet. Okay. Um, and yeah, I was, you know, we started talking pretty much immediately that we have to talk about something to do with like militancy within the Mormon church or whatever it is they're calling themselves now. Um, and uh, I, I quickly dawned on me that I would never be able to script out a show with you guys as guests that would make any fucking sense. Uh, I'm like, it would be like me um, doing literally any of the scripts I've ever done. And on the other side, I was like a veteran of the event I was talking about. Um, <laughs> well, that's assuming what we're going to talk about is going to make any fucking sense either. So, <laughs> yeah. And it's a lot. And there might be some insider terms. If you just don't understand anything, please raise your hand or something. I don't know. All of us have been like grown up around like the Mormon church. And everything, fully so. indoctrinated. Yeah. We have we, led yes. white Jesus into our hearts. I got to say, I don't know fucking anything about the Mormon church. Um, the only thing that I really know about it 
is um, it's like uniquely American. It's a, it's a uniquely American religion, not called Scientology. It's literally the most American religion. <laughs> um, yeah. Outside of, I mean, Scientology, like the, the amount of comparisons between the two is, is pretty stark, but also uh, QAnon and, and the Mormon church have a lot of overlap, but specifically when it comes to uh, um, Hawaii and the church have a really interesting um, connection and also like the Pacific islands. But specifically one of the funny parts about that is like any white dude who serves his mission in like the Pacific islands will come back from his mission wearing like a lava lava and be, and just like a white <laughs> shirt and tie. And then like, when he bears his testimony or gives his talk, when he comes back from his, his mission overseas, he'll uh, say like, Aloha, like expecting the audience to say it back at him. It's like, it, there's so many weird little pieces of Mormon culture that like, as we'll go through this, um, a lot of this is part of the Mormon lore, but only it's it's incredibly and skillfully cherry picked of, of of what you're going to hear because so many of these things that Jordan is going to walk us through today. I'm 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 normally the the daddy of our podcast um, and and taking us through, but this is Jordan's. This couldn't be more in Jordan's niche, and um, as we'll go through, um, we're going to learn some things that have made it through to Mormon culture. Um, and a lot of the things that have made, made it through to the, to the modern Mormon culture have really fucked up roots. Uh, and this is going to be painful for the three of us, but hopefully enlightening for everyone else. So, uh, yeah, buckle up. It's, uh, it's fun. So we'll start off with like the, with the origins, because what we're mainly going to be focused on is like the Nauvoo Legion, which is like a militia that the that the Mormon church started in their city in Nauvoo, Illinois, and it carried over into Utah when they settled the plains. So famous non-problematic issue uh, of, of church based militias. And how, (laughs) (laughs) and this is how we got the hashtag Brigham did nothing wrong. Oh my God. Uh, Do not uh, associate us with that, please. No, no. Brigham did a lot wrong. And so, so, so much just for the record. So many things wrong. So, so many. Yes. So we won't get really into like how, like the church's like origin stories or anything like that. You can find it out on your own by looking up any sort of like 19 year old with a terrified look in his eye, wearing a button up white shirt with a name tag. They're everywhere. You'll find them. They'll tell you all about it. We're not going to focus or on by that. praying to the Mormon God. I hear that's a good way of figuring this stuff out as well. Or that too. Um, so well, of course is first Allah. Of- sorry, continue. <laughs> yes. Inshallah. Soon our <laughs> caliphate will spread to Salt Lake City. <laughs> we will we will get there. Um so the Church of Christ, which was like the original name of the Mormon Church, started in April 6, 1830, in western New York, in Palmyra, New York. And right smack dab in the burned over region of the Great Awakening. So this was the reason, the region where you were having all sorts of fun religions. That's where the Adventists come from, the Millerites, the Shakers, and the Fox Sisters. All of those like had like some sort of like element of mysticism mixed with like full scale Christianity, which is kind of like what the early church was too, was a lot of people who love seer stones. They love like... They loved like uh, divining rods, things like that. Like half of the early church was just people who like also thought that they could see the future. This area of New York was just like a state carnival of like different <laughs> religions. It just- Thank you, Erie Canal. Wasn't yes. the Fox sisters, this, the, the, the seance 
women yeah. who like <laughs> said they could communicate with ghosts by like popping their joints and shit. Yep. Yes, they were the ones who actually like <laughs> like 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 invented spiritualism. So thank you. That's the same region region that Mormonism started, but somehow the Fox series didn't have quite the following of the Mormon church, so which is kind of a shame. It'd be way more fun to grow up in that, but oh well. So in 1831, Joseph Smith moved his operation to Kirtland, Ohio, which is on the other side of on the other side of the state to Ohio, just on that like the northeastern side. So they pretty much just crossed Pennsylvania and just like started up shop there. And in that same time, too, we also set up outposts in Missouri as well. And what he proclaimed to be the Zion in Jackson County, Missouri, where he said the Garden of Eden was. Yep. Because when I think of the Garden even of Eden, I think the jet of uh, the Kansas City metropolitan area. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I've driven through there and it was like, yes, man, this is definitely. I don't paradise. know, man. I've had some Kansas City ribs that were a spiritual experience. He so. was on to something, man. I didn't think the Garden of Eden would be so fucking humid. <laughs> <laughs> that was my thought. Exactly. Because I drove through it in November. It's like, this sucks. Yeah. Definitely feels like a place where you just toil. Um, so they set up shop in Missouri and Ohio early on. There was a real change in the culture and philosophy of the church. When it first began, it was a very sort of pacifist sort of approach to belief. And, and in those first couple of years from 1830 to 1832, there was a massive shift over into way more militant teaching. And that's because in 1832, Joseph Smith was attacked by mobs who either one were just in like weird religions moving in, which I kind of get a little bit yeah. and two, because Joseph had a hard time keeping away from women and specifically also, like, really young women. Oh, so that yeah. Like, well, uh, this is so a recurring theme. And as we like, you know, uh, compare what we are going to learn here today through the past and like what is believed by current Mormons, something that's really interesting. And I, I don't know if these two guys feel the same way or like what they heard growing up, but like, this this attack of Joseph Smith is incredibly infamous, and uh-huh. I was never told as to why he was targeted. It really, it was just kind of like these people hated M- Mormons, and like that That's, was the whole thing. Yeah, that was exactly it. Like they, it's it's like the same thing that like Bush would say after like nine eleven when he was like referring to Al Qaeda of like they hated our way of life, they hated yeah. our freedom, they hated <laughs> the way that, and it, it, yeah, it's all the same like gaslighting bullshit tactics with. Joseph Smith when he was in in Missouri and yeah. basically like, they hated us because we had the truth the true gospel and that's where exactly. the reason why they attacked us but here's the fun part about yeah. that attack though a lot of the people who carried it out were members of the church <laughs> um, they just didn't like that Joseph was getting really close to their niece and so they brought a surgeon along who was supposed to give him the old snip snip and uh, the surgeon chickened out. So Joseph was allowed to continue his ways. Be your own people, man. Yeah. Man, but it, they don't didn't. you hate when you hire a doctor to castrate someone that get cold feet at the last moment? I know that's a problem I have just <laughs> all the time. Hashtag God relatable. Damn me- American medical system. Yeah, it's interesting <laughs> because of the Hawaii Mormon connection that this to a much lesser extent, because like, you know, nobody was lynched. Uh, we get a lot of weird cults from the mainland that move out this way. Um, I assume so they can, you know, launder their money uh, in a place that isn't (laughs) like Oklahoma or whatever, because it has a beach. Uh, But like recently a white woman uh, in her cult 
I believe she rented a place like Maui or something, and she proclaimed herself to be the reincarnation of Pele, which is <laughs> the, the footballer. No, it's an indigenous Hawaiian god. <laughs> oh, okay. That makes more sense. <laughs> and uh, it became a big problem when, you know, Howley came through and started calling themselves a Hawaiian goddess. So uh, uh, they firebombed their, like, garbage can and, like, threatened to, like, bust out their windows and shit of, the, of this, like, legit compound that they're renting. Uh, and, the like, the Maui police department was like, you should probably leave, which, like, you know, yeah, 12 kind of hilarious they're like we're not gonna help you you should get the fuck out of here and so they did uh i believe they came from colorado or something but yeah yeah oh my god so, yeah after the mob attacks joseph kind of changed his tune a little bit from like love one another to um don't cross me sometimes yeah <laughs> yeah but i think it's important to also mention so like uh joseph smith was tarred and feathered and um this is part of the big the big lore of of this event um they they left a door open during this tar and feathering and um a baby that was in this house um got hypothermia i guess but in it was exposed to the conditions that killed this baby so that's incredibly important for this foundational belief that the mormons have is that like this mob they came in they killed a baby and they tarred and feathered joseph smith all because he has the true knowledge of christ yeah they had to get rid of the baby because you can't have any fucking witnesses oh also specifically (laughs) that too but uh specifically around the hawaii thing uh the church has something uh in um Haleiwe, like next to byu hawaii um called the polynesian cultural center that's yeah, a fun like thing slavery, to look right? up and well um yeah i would look into that if you're <laughs> if you're looking for something fun i think that's on my island you said it's in uh where would you say it was that in Haleiwe. is isn't that like where byu hawaii is i'm unfamiliar byu hawaii north um, shore okay yeah oh, i believe it that way yeah yeah <laughs> So yeah, you and the honor code would not get along, Joe. <laughs> so did you just say slavery for the Polynesian Cultural Center? Well, I mean, oh, it's, it's in La'i'e. I think Haleiwe is a different area over there. But, uh, but like, don't, don't they kind of force Mormon students to work there for free? That's just uh, slavery y- with extra steps. They they do pull in a lot of um, Mormons from the Pacific islands who go to BYU Hawaii. And then a lot of them do work at the Polynesian cultural center, which is um, a bunch of white people who go there and eat poi and watch them do fire dances and climb palm trees, barehanded and uh, barefooted. So, Oh, so it's like a human zoo. It's more like that. Yeah. (laughs) Way better. Anyway, this is not going to be the last reference to slavery in this episode. So as one wants from 19th century America. So out of all this horrible, horrible attacks on Joseph Smith came doctrine and covenants 98. First off, I have to explain what doctrine and covenants is. That's the time that God speaks directly to Joseph Smith. And he just translates it onto a page, which somehow also magically matches what he personally believes in a lot of cases and also kind of tapered off a lot after he died. It's weird. Um, and God so, said, and d- I will get all of your scribbles furiously new loans in your name and you will give me money you totally said that oh you're, you're not far off yes which like the the, the dnc the doctrine and covenants covenants is also like an extension of the book of mormon like yeah it's like a third book it's like the oh, third okay. the third chapter of the trilogy 
Yeah. Yeah. Nowadays, like the only thing that goes in like doctrine and covenants is when like the church has to retcon old policies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when they like, okay, polygamy's done, everybody, because the federal government really doesn't like it. Yeah. And then like the 1970s, like, okay, everyone, black people are human now because the Department of Education's about ready to decertify BYU. Well, if you yeah. say the 1970s, backpedal there for yes. a second. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck. Um, y- yeah. Uh, Jesus little- Christ. Behind the times, we'll maybe get to that. Or if, like, you know, hey, maybe you don't have to denounce your child if your child is gay. Oh, that'll be the next one when they like say, like, hey, everyone, because your parents are gay, you can still be Mormon. It's okay now. It's just like, it's like Bradley Cooper in The Hangover when he's calling his friends and he's just like, uh, yeah, listen, uh, sorry, but uh, we fucked up. <laughs> the Department of Justice Civil Rights Division's up our ass, so we have to do something now. <laughs> Jesus fucking You Christ. don't, under any circumstances, gotta hand it to him. Absolutely not. I mean, okay, unless it's so, tar and feathering. I'm, yeah. I'm suddenly a huge fan of that. Can we, yeah, I'm, I'm very pro tar and feathering people. <laughs> New Patreon <I'm>, goal. <laughs> we should maybe bring it back for some people. I'm not saying for everyone, but I mean... Would, part out. I don't know. <laughs> We didn't say names. It's not actionable. It's fine. Um, Anyway, so now I have to read Old English because that's how Joseph Smith thinks God speaks. So... And now verily I say unto you concerning the laws of the land, it is my will that my people should observe to do all things whatsoever I command them. And again, this is the law I give unto mine ancients, and they should not go out unto battle against any nation, kindred, tongue, or people, save I, the Lord, commanded them. And so the, the great news there is that a man with a direct line to God can control and dictate war for all the people who follow him. So no problems there. There's nev- never been anything like that in history that's ever came to bite anyone in the ass. Joseph so. Smith, uh, al-Baghdadi has, uh, has some fat lines going on there. <laughs> yeah. And again, that's part of uh, Doctrine and Covenants, which again, like Greg said, is part of the trilogy. This is kind of the Empire Strikes Back to the Book of Mormons, uh, a, new, um, a new hope. So. Does that make the Pearl of Great Price like the new trilogy? Uh, the Pearl of Great Price is definitely Return of the Jedi, but we'll get there eventually, <laughs> maybe. I just, I really like the parts in the Pearl of Great Price with Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> I mean, that makes as much sense as what's actually in the I knew Pearl that of motherfucker Price, so. had multiple wives. Dude, that's right. <laughs> okay, so we move on to there too, and we get to this period of the church called Zion's Camp, which is like the first like militaristic endeavor the church goes on. In 1833, Mormon settlements in Missouri were coming under attack at pretty alarming rates. All the Mormon settlers in Jackson County, Missouri were forced to flee to neighboring Clay County. And um, I have a quote here from D. Michael Quinn, who, you know, you have a really good Mormon historian when they've been excommunicated from the church. Yeah, that's how you can tell they actually studied. (laughs) Yeah, that means they get really close to home. It's like, you got to go. But this also makes them uh, easily discreditable discreditable by the church because anyone who leaves the church is just seen as like an angry, bitter person who can't. Uh, let go or leave the church alone. So, 
Yeah. And it, especially like D Michael Quinn, because he's a Mormon historian. So he can't find a job anywhere <laughs> because he's been blackballed everywhere. No, I'm not joking about that. Like Arizona state tried to hire him. They got, uh, and they got vetoed by the board D- because they might lose donations. He's literally I'm, the Mormon Norman Finkelstein. <laughs> honestly, not a far off. Really, really, he really is dude. I mean, how, how niche is a job that you're a Mormon historian that can absolutely not work anywhere. Mormons are. <laughs> it's tough. It's a tough space to be in it's tough but anyway so d michael quinn writes in jackson county and during july 1833 mobs destroyed the mormon newspaper the home of the editor william w phelps and burned nearly all copies of the newly printed book of commandments which is now the doctrine and covenants the first collection of smith's revelations then the mob tarred and feathered bishop edward partridge and other mormon men for not agreeing to leave the county immediately the more the missouri mormons gave no resistance to these attacks branched no weapons and did not speak of any revenge and then following following up on that in October, they also attacked like isolated homes of Mormons inside Missouri, outside of the general town in uh, Jackson County. So things were not going well. Um, at that point, too, they started to lobby the governor at the time, trying to get rid and render aid and return property to them because like, you know, a bunch of guys like seize your house or burn it down. Like you kind of like kind of got to call the cops at that point. I mean, even just for the insurance money, you got to <laughs> do that. I mean, like, hey, these guys on horseback just decided to, like, burn down my house and printing press. Can you guys, like, do something about that? Is there any overarching cause as to why, like, were they targeted because of their faith or was there other reasons? Uh, mainly it was because of their faith. Like, they didn't really cause any sort of any sort of, like, violence to begin with. Like, that would change. But early on, there really wasn't a whole lot. It's just like weird people moving in. And because it's the 1830s in Missouri. Yeah. And Joe Smith was seen as it. like a, a con artist also. Like, so they they thought he was. I mean, imagine why there's pretty well uh, <laughs> like they had he and his he and his uh, brothers, I think um, there's some like soy podcast that did like a pretty good series about the history of Joseph Smith. Uh, I can't remember which one it was, it's but last podcast on the left. Oh, that oh, fuck, oh yeah. yeah. I actually listened to that. Yeah. yeah. So they actually had a good like series about Joseph Smith. Um, but they talk a, a lot about like the history of why people were so distrusting of them in the beginning. I mean, there was like a pretty, um, disproportionate response to like someone who was probably at worst at the time, like hitting on their young daughters and, um, you know, stealing like money from people doing like fraud of some kind. Um, but this quickly escalates as Jordan. Oh, what, what if instead of becoming a carpenter, Jesus had a multi-level marketing scheme? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Dude, that's the we're gonna get to that. <laughs> Jesus, you can't do it. That is so the, close. That's really kind of the history of Joseph Smith is that basically everywhere he went, he did a whole lot of fucking around. Yeah. And then came the finding out part. Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah, this is a lot of like you have to use trash future rules for this too. Like, think of your dumbest idea, then go dumber. Dude, I honestly think I think of Joseph Smith as being like the fucking Logan Paul of like this century, just like being in, like an annoying asshole that like no one wanted around. <laughs> he's, he's L Ron Hubbard. Dude, like, yeah. But the only thing I can think about is he's L Ron he Hubbard. Like he came up with all this lore. That's he, true. I mean, would have been, a, he, he would have been like a vine star also. I think I mean, L Ron Hubbard started his own fucking Navy. Joseph yeah. Smith started his own army. Well, <laughs> yeah, the Navajo Legion is definitely like a sea org, like <laughs> with dark uniforms. Like, Say what you will about the Sea Org. 
They got drip. <laughs> they got drip. I don't know. Like Joseph Smith was rocking some killer epaulets. I, that's all I can say. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so after that too, they, so they lobbied the governor of Missouri and the, the, the governor of Missouri says, all right, we're going to return your property under guard, all that. We'll do that. But delays keep happening. Delays keep happening. And the saints are just sitting in Clay County. Like, what are we doing here? It's like, come on, return our property. So Joseph in December, 1833 receives revelation that he is to redeem Zion. So in order to do that, he's got to raise an army. Oh boy. Oh boy. Tell me, Jordan, what revelation did he receive about that? Doctrine and Covenants 103. The redemption of your brethren who have been scattered on the land of Zion and in avenging of mine enemies was commanded in revelation to gather an army, a hundred and strength of my house to go up with you unto the land of Zion. And whoso is not willing to lay down his life for my sake is not my disciple. It really escalated quickly. <laughs> Look, I, I don't mean to like shit on anybody's religion here. I don't know if anybody here is a practicing Mormon, but if my God is going to command me to build an army, a hundred people, that's not even a fucking company. What kind of weak ass shit is this? God, oh. give me a division. Joe, Joe, <laughs> Joe. They got to 200. Okay. <laughs> God's so, legion is an overstrength infantry company. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little side note, though, too, like every time I hear Jordan reading these scriptures, it just gives me like PTSD from being a kid and like having to wake my ass up at 630 in the morning so we could go and have like Book of Mormon study around the breakfast table every morning. (laughs) Uh, I'd rather wake up early in the morning and do fucking Mormon PT. Bro, I would have rather like ran fucking gassers and done like like. (laughs) hundreds of burpees than here verily verily unto thee it's brutal you have to lay down your life for me oh great joseph smith well i i did do rotc at byu for a while so technically i did, did do really? mormon pt oh my, so, oh, my. <laughs> oh my oh man like i don't i mean i don't know about these guys uh like i know we all have family that's still practicing um mormon like we have uh you know close friends that are too and even like friends especially can like look at this stuff and talk about how ridiculous it is. Mm. Um, and that's, that's kind of like a changing tide within the church. And we can talk about that at the end, but um, yeah. Anyway, continue. Jordan. It doesn't get you like excommunicated no. anymore. No, that's good. <laughs> no, I don't think Not so. I mean, no, it's just like they, the they... being trans or gay part, but anyway. Oh yeah. Just, yeah. It, you can talk shit. You just can't live your life. <laughs> yep. You pretty much <laughs> pretty well said. Um, so in May of 1834, Joseph Smith had gathered up 200 strong to lead his army to Ohio, to Missouri from Ohio, a 900 mile journey. So, you know, we're going to have some fun, right? We're going to go redeem Zion, right? We're going to go do it. We're going to go stop him. We're going to go return it. We're going to show those ruffians who's, who's boss, right? One of these new crusaders is like, wait, how long are we marching? Man, fuck this. I'm becoming Jewish. (laughs) (laughs) I want you guys to guess what they actually did. Uh, Walked about 25 miles and started looting shit. No, no. They made the full journey. Oh, God damn. That's dedication. Yeah. Then they did nothing when they got there. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. Sorry, sorry. I... I misread that. They contracted cholera when they got <laughs> oh, there. <okay. laughs> 
How is your enlistment bonus in the crusading army? You get or, to shit yourself to death. An Oregon trail so, ass religion. <laughs> like literally so, though. So this armed force that was marching on the power of God, uh, marched 900 miles, fought no one, 14 of them died from cholera. <laughs> God never told me not to shit the to water death. supply. And then just marched back. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like fucking Abe Simpson at the restaurant. <laughs> but across the entire United States. <laughs> oh my God. Have, have, you ever, have you ever driven across the United States? Oh man. I, it's fucking I, awful. Could you imagine marching? I've never driven long 18, ways, but like I. This is 1834. There weren't roads. And fuck that. I would shoot myself with a musket. I hope they would issue me. Like, There's also some great stories about how like Joseph Smith's dog was a huge asshole during this whole thing too. <laughs> <laughs> like he just brought his like bulldog with him too. And there's actually like a funny film like the church produces about too, where like one of them's just like as like one of the guys lingering, just like I fucking hate this. This is bullshit. And it's like that's me. I would be that guy. You know, he went like full Nero and promoted that motherfucker to major or something. <laughs> like I would just well, be judging. I'd be walking through the plains, just like begging that a rattlesnake would bite me. <laughs> I would be harassing every snake that I saw. Why won't you bite me? You pussy. <laughs> just going along the banks of the Mississippi and just uh, rustling every bush in the hopes like a copperhead <laughs> just bites exactly. me. Please bite me. My flesh is delicious and I'm full of cholera. So a lot of like a lot of people were just like <laughs> young, dumb, just, and full of cholera. Okay, sorry, continue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so oh, fuck. <laughs> so everyone pretty much just like hated Joseph Smith at the end of it too. But this was the sign Aren't of like his new leadership. Why? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We walked 1,800 miles to do nothing but shit my guts <laughs> out and then bury my buddies shallowly because he was he was Brutal. decomposing too fast. It's like the ultimate re war reenactor simulation of like Napoleon's march into Russia. <laughs> <laughs> Except for it's like a bunch of uh, guys from Ohio uh, marching to Missouri <laughs> in summertime. You know, as someone from Michigan, I support more men marching away from Ohio. <laughs> oh, they'd be marching away from Ohio soon enough. <laughs> this is Ohio guys marching to Moscow. <laughs> uh, Except for it's Moscow, Idaho. <laughs> Jesus. Just, Hell just yeah. Mormon street fight radio, just nice. marching to Missouri. Oh, I love it. Uh, okay, so where were we? Ah, yes. So after this march was over and all that, um, Joseph Smith would use this as like the basis for his like loyal loyal circle at this point this is where the 12 apostles comes from like a new leadership format for the church to be like the upper echelon leadership and also the first quorum of the 70 almost all of them were picked picked directly from people who are on zion's camp because of like you guys walked 1800 miles for me you'll probably do anything at this point if you're still around so yeah. man y'all are fucking you're in. stupid <laughs> like, i've, I've collected my you. biggest group of dumbasses i could find you guys are <laughs> none perfect. of them have cholera i know <laughs> <laughs> okay so after all this like you can kind of see how like military military service to the church became like the sea org of mormonism just like you served you're in congratulations so from what we've seen, 
Joseph Smith doesn't seem like that good of a military leader. He doesn't seem like he has a good grasp on logistics or supply or any sort of leadership skills whatsoever. Not really good general material, right? No, I would argue he is one of the worst ones we've talked about on the show. Um, Not the worst because he only killed 14 people. (laughs) Anyway, in 1840, he named himself a general. Perfect. I also did that. Is it recognized? I don't know, but I'm a general. (laughs) Oh, we'll get to that. We just want to thank you for your service. (laughs) You can only truly thank me for my service when you catch cholera. (laughs) So going back to Kirtland, Ohio, um, he's back in town, all that fun stuff. Kind of mad because the whole Zions camp thing didn't quite go as planned. Nice. Anyway, in November 1836, he and 11 general authorities signed with 59 other Mormons in sending out like a warning to a non-Mormon justice of the peace to, quote, depart forthwith out of Kirtland. So they're kind of turning a little more militant and actually starting to feel like they uh, they feel like they can do some stuff now. They got some gravitas. So is, is a justice of the peace back then like actual law enforcement? Or like what? It, like it's pretty much a judge. Oh, all right. We're in a whole lot of lawyers, so it's like you're not a lawyer, but you're wise. So here you go, wear this, please. Oh, oh so yeah. back in the day, a justice of the peace would get routed out of his town by a Mormon militia. Now you just marry idiots who show up drunk to your courthouse. Yes, perfect. I'm sure a lot of that happened in Kirtland as well. So <laughs> no worries there. Um, so eventually, the Mormons would be forced to leave Kirtland, like we talked about. And in 1838, they would move to Northwest Missouri due to pissing off the neighbors inside the community, terrifying their neighbors. Oh, and fleecing almost everyone in the church with a fake bank. Wait, there's a fake bank now? <laughs> oh, Dude, yes. I told you. It's just an absolute scam. So he really so, is Jesus, both an MLM. Yeah. No. You really need to understand that Joseph Smith is like the Michael Jordan of grifters. Yeah. <laughs> So let me introduce you to the Kirtland Anti-Banking Society. Hell yeah. Let's go. So when Joseph Smith took over like most of of Kirtland, Ohio, he decided he really needed to start a bank. Well, he tried to get chartered by the state of Ohio and they said like, no, you don't have the liquidity needed to do that. And then Joseph went like, but I already bought the plates to print my own currency. What am I supposed to do with this? Noted thing that banks do. Well, in the 1830s, you did. Yeah, fair enough. True. But here's how you fix that. You call yourself an anti-bank so you don't have to have a charter. Unreal, dude. That just sounds like a loan shark. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we prefer like a pillar of the community. (laughs) I can use titles too. It works out great. That sounds like a loan shark that has the power to cause inflation. (laughs) I do. So how this bank failed was that Joseph Smith was running it. (laughs) (laughs) Did the bank also get cholera? (laughs) That's why all the money was brown. Uh, If the money was brown, that's a, that's better than what the Kirtland anti-bank had because there was no money. So of course they're fucking, you're supposed to, it was just clumps of dirt. <laughs> it's an anti-bank. You, you put your money in and they go, thank you. And then you just leave. So, <laughs> it's the most con artisty bullshit ever. So 
in banks those days too, you'd had to have a bill that marched every sort of like precious metal you had in the back. So $1 of currency had to equal $1 of gold or silver or whatever. Right. So what Joseph Smith did, it's like, he just put like the precious metals on the top. So you'd see him. And then the rest underneath it was just like, whatever you wanted it to be. (laughs) Sand rocks didn't matter. It filled the box. So <laughs> Joseph Smith was an innovator because he invented the Ponzi scheme. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. I filled this box full of bones of people that died on my march. <laughs> he listened he a- listened to the uh the Nine Inch Nails of Trent Reznor song. It took the My Empire of Dirt. <laughs> oh very, God. very literally. Oh nice. So Joseph tried to pretty much say like this was because like the bank treasurer was like like embezzling so much money from it. But it, if you look at it hard enough, you like realize like you just didn't have anything and you just tried to be a big man. Didn't you? Like, yeah. The only way that that could be true that someone was embezzling is you're so fucking stupid. Someone, you didn't realize that someone embezzled literally 100% of your money. <laughs> There's a lot of dirt trailing out of this <laughs> box of gold. Weird. Why do, why do I have all these pockets full of fish tank rocks and not gold? <laughs> It was a big mistake to make Andy Dufresne my treasurer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so yeah, they had to leave Kirtland, Ohio. And so they moved to Missouri for a little bit. Things went south there as well, too, because um, the governor of Missouri, uh, well, there were more clashes because more Mormons moved into Missouri. And apparently that like, if you already had conflict with Mormons in the area, adding more Mormons does not fix that conflict. Does that Thank truly solve con- any problem? <laughs> um, no, not at all. <laughs> so there were some clashes in Missouri and everything like that. And Governor Lillian Boggs implemented an extermination order against the Mormons. Holy shit. Like, yeah. Extermination yes. order? Yeah, like straight on, like uh, they have to go one way or another. Yeah, Jesus. so this it's is an incredibly site. like important piece to uh, current Mormon lore and like how they see themselves, both um, and and also how very importantly how they see uh, government and uh, like government authority because um, and they see themselves as being uh, um, refugees and like very strongly oppressed because of this one event which i mean to be fair there was an actual extermination order out on them yeah just just casually doing a genocide in missouri yeah (laughs) yep yep it happens but um really though is there anything more american than casual genocide no no i mean even the mormons would kind of partake in that quite a bit and we'll get to that later that's where they learn the only person that can stop a bad person doing a genocide is us doing a genocide (laughs) pretty yeah that sounds a lot like a lot of oaths i saw like mormons taking at that point um so with that extermination order in place like and also being forced from ohio and missouri it would have a pretty profound effect on on mormons there too and so in the settlement of far west Missouri, formed a new militia movement called the Daughters of Israel, or better known as the Danites. Ooh. So, if the Navu, like we talked about this before, Joe, like how the Navu Legion kind of sounded like the Republican Guard. Yeah, how everybody was a general. Yeah, well, these guys are your fucking Fedayeen. Outstanding. Like these guys <laughs> are the real like ride or die guys. 
what would you consider like a Mormon fetiyin? Like, what is like a stereotypical Mormon look like, and what would the fetiyin look like? Because like, uh, long beards, like seven pistols on them. Um, also, just probably has like eight or nine murders on them <laughs> at least. Yep. So like these Texan. guys did not mess around. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like, I'm not kidding you. Like the Navu Legion kind of like at its beginning was just kind of a joke. Like, it's just like a bunch of like so wait, old we, guys we're, being mustered. We've we have now moved on to Mormon ISIS. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Outstanding. We'll just call at, it. At, at this we'll just, point, I keep making jokes that end up being real. And I don't know how to take that. Well, here's the pledge that the Danites had to take. Oh, of course, there's a pledge. I, from this day, declare myself the avenger of the blood of those innocent men and the innocent cause of Zion. So, you know, just like a real sort of like, I don't know, I, I kind of like the church. I, I make friends on Sunday. No, this is like real, like I wipe my blood on your like pant leg after I scalp you sort of level of like the dedication. It's bad. Yeah, it's, don't. It's not good. If you ever find yourself in the church where you're starting to take oaths like this, you need to leave now. Yeah, I'm going to say if you're ever in a religion that demands a blood oath of you, you need to just like just mosey on down the dusty trail. <laughs> like just get the fuck out. Yeah. This might point be in a militant cult. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> we have a, uh, we recently did an episode about a group of guys right now who have formed an online identity, basically valorizing this entire, um, these specific people and the blood oath and blood atonement part of like this religion um, that continues to grow over the next uh, few minutes of Jordan teaching us. Yes. So, their first purpose was to drive the apostates from their territory. And this included Oliver Cowdery, who helped translate the Book of Mormon because it was him and Joseph Smith who were putting their head in the hat and just like reading it. And yeah, so both of them did that too. And also the Whitmer family, who were all witnesses to the Book of Mormon. Like you're just shattering your own, like your own, like foundation myth by like driving these guys out of your camp. Incredible. Which is weird. Yeah, it's so weird because you'll see all these people like, like as like the formation of the church and then eventually either get driven out or forced out by like the church themselves. They got too like, close under, to the grift. Uh, that and also because like they probably got screwed out of their life savings in the anti-bank. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And for some reason that, that has an effect on people. Yeah, that would, be, that would make me pretty upset. But uh, then again, if I was to, going to invest in something called the anti-bank. <laughs> yeah, i don't know what i'm expecting yeah well i mean in the 1830s you didn't really have much options for banks anyway it's just yeah. pretty much like whatever was there yeah I, I would rather stuff my life savings down the underwear that i haven't washed in six months <laughs> or whatever i don't know the 1800s are disgusting <laughs> awful time okay so the first action of the danites was the sacking and burning of the towns of millport and gallantin in missouri where they burned the post office and the county treasurer's office and also just like looted a bunch of houses too here's where we get to the looting finally by the troops because these guys had horses as opposed to just walking finally that kind of helps a little bit we better. have some mobility in this military formation about time and for like the next couple of years there would be some pitch battles between like Missouri militia and the Danites and Mormons in general and culminating with the massacre at Hans Mill where 200 Missouri militia just killed 17 Mormons Jesus like yeah it was a lot no one really talks about this except for like Mormons too because like well like 
U.S. history at that point is like incredibly bloody anyway. Yeah. So it's yeah. like it's hard to like make differentiation differentiations between all of that. So later on in 1842, a Danite Orrin Porter Rockwell would shoot Governor Boggs in his home, wounding him in the neck and leaving him for dead. <laughs> Wait, the Mormons should have killed the governor. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah, and the guy that was just m- mentioned uh, was one of Joseph Smith's closest. Uh, people in his aura and notably his bodyguard too. Do I have that right, Jordan? Oh yeah. You got that right. Man. Order Rockwell is, um, yeah, he'd be a big deal. The Mormonism for the time to come. Like he'd be like the U S Marshal of Utah. He would, uh, be an army scout. He would yeah. imagine like applying for the job of, uh, of the provost marshal of Utah or whatever. Like what's your job experience? I did a lot of political assassinations. <laughs> Just on that. Well, it was Brigham Young doing the hiring, so I'm sure it was just like, Oren, you want to do it? It's like, dude, Tom Cruise on behalf of Scientology going and shooting Gavin Newsom in his room, dude. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot Uh, of beliefs that Joseph Smith actually ordered that hit too, because like, yeah, of course, like. Porter Rockwell's not going to go shoot a governor off of his own free will. It's like, yeah, he might do it if you like saw him in a bar, but he's not going to go like to his house and shoot him unless like Joseph was like, take care of it. Yep. And gotcha, boss. One fun fact, anyway, though, for Porter Rockwell is that he has the most metal nickname in the history of, of Mormonism. His nickname was Old Port and also the destroying angel of Mormondom. Okay, I have to admit that fucking rocks. Yeah, I, he was a hard that, ass, but I, it fucking rocks. Yeah, <laughs> like, imagine like walking into somewhere and like someone asks you what's your name, and you're like, "I'm the destroying angel of Mormondom." How do you? How <laughs> he the also, fuck do you react to that? <laughs> he also thought he had like Samson like powers, so he never shaved or cut his hair. Yeah, he's got a real like Charles Manson vibe if you take a look at it. He's he's <laughs> definitely someone you want on your team. He's even got if, crazy eyes. Yeah, this guy has he to look found- absolutely insane at this point. Yeah, Google a picture right now. I'm dead serious. Well, what was his name? Oren Porter Rockwell. If you just do Porter Rockwell. You'll pull him up. That's like what he normally went by. Wikipedia has him listed as American bodyguard. <laughs> dude, he looks like you he, he's a Red Dead Redemption character just straight up, dude. Yeah, he, he look, you know, I have to admit, maybe it's because I'm Armenian and I expected his hair to grow as upright as mine does whenever I grow my hair out. <laughs> but it looks like this is a man who cared deeply for his looks even though he never cut his hair. Like th- th- this man used fucking, I don't know, dry conditioner or some shit his hair is like, too smooth in this picture like this dude is the real life version of judge holden and blood meridian yeah <laughs> oh, that's actually not far off it probably also, did use fun, as many n-words too yeah oh that's absolutely right. yeah, oh definitely also a fun fact he also founded the first distillery in utah so oh i didn't know there's that. a lot of lick yeah, he. That's why there's a lot of like liquor named after him, like Porter's Fires, because he just like brought alcohol to Utah with the with the fucking proof of zero 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 point one. Oh no, uh, <laughs> this was when the, the Mormons could drink. It was later when they they decided that they couldn't anymore. Oh. Yeah, they didn't really stop drinking until like the 20th century because it hurt Heber J. Grant's tummy. Yep. Yeah, so uh, they could drink here. <laughs> they could drink. They were drinking a lot at this point. That makes anyway, a lot more sense. Yeah. Anyway, for a lot of fun, I decided to like put in like the church history response from the actual like Mormon church's website just to see what they say about historical events too. Here's what they have to say about the Danites. It's fun. 
In addition, Mormon vigilantes, including many Danites, raided two towns believed to be the centers of anti-Mormon activity, burning homes and stealing goods. While anti-Mormon vigilantes targeted and sometimes killed non-combatant Latter-day Saints, Danites primarily confiscated or destroyed property they feared could be used by their opponents. Mm. Historians generally concur that Joseph Smith approved of the Danites, but he probably wasn't briefed on all their plans and likely did not sanction the full range of their activities. <laughs> the Danites existed for only five months from June through October 1838. Just right in the sweet spot of uh, like approving of some of the things they do, but ambiguously leaving out what the things that he didn't approve of were. I, I noted they used the word confiscate. Um, yeah. That is just known as looting. <laughs> Yeah, I'm confiscating this jewelry box because it might be loaded into a cannon for grape shot. <laughs> Who, who's to say? Yeah. As you walk away with eight bracelets and a fucking clock for a necklace. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing with that grandfather clock? <laughs> could be a weapon. <laughs> it's good. Who knows? Uh, it could comically drop from a building onto our troops. <laughs> <laughs> they could push it off from the church tower and hurt someone. <laughs> All right. So I'm, I have little, I have little tidbits of this too, because I always like went back to see what the church said about certain things and be like, well, uh, <laughs> it's like that meme, like, yes, there was slavery, but yep. <laughs> so the Mormons are moving to Illinois. All the Mormons of the region had finally moved to a town called Commerce and which they quickly named a Nauvoo, which they believed was a Hebrew word for beautiful place. I don't know for sure. It sounds like something that they would think meant something, but actually means nothing. Kind of like the state name for Idaho. I'm going to assume that Joseph Smith wasn't actually fluent in Hebrew. Safe assumption. Well, he definitely wasn't fluent in, a, in ancient Egyptian, despite his best efforts. So... <laughs> There's a funny story about that, actually. What he translated the Pearl of Great Price because what happened was while he was in Nauvoo, a mummy salesman came through the town. Yes, in the 1800s, there were mummy salesmen because we just like looted every like Egyptian tomb we could find back then. Yeah, we used them for and, kindling. Yeah. <laughs> they did that. So this guy brings in like some mummies and some funeral parchment and Joseph Smith's like, oh, it's the lost story of Moses because... Like L. Ron Hubbard, like Joseph Smith could find stories that just like could make it out of nothing. And so like he did this like fake, uh, he did this like um, translations of the Pearl of Great, of what became the Pearl of Great Price out of like ancient, out of like hieroglyphics essentially. And so Martin Harris decided to take the translations over to, I think it was the, it was, it was the University of Illinois Champlain. So he goes to like their antiquities department. like, Hey, my friend translated this. Can you tell me if he's right? And according to the church, I swear to God, like to the church, they said like the professor was, Oh, wow. This is so accurate. Where did you get this? And then like Martin Harris, who was the name of the guy is like an angel helped. And then like the guy's like, I cannot allow you to leave with this. I have to tear it up here. I cannot say that this is accurate now because an angel said it. When in actuality, the professor's like, I never said that. What the fuck? No. It was a different historian. He goes to school in Canada. You wouldn't know him. <laughs> exactly. It was like the most like, it was the most like Marine Todd thing ever too. Just like, <laughs> knock me off my stool. And like, I did it because I'm actually fluent in ancient Egyptian. 
and yeah, tough it's scene. a dumb story. But Absolutely yeah. tough scene. <laughs> tough scene. So anyway, back to where we were. Commerce, Illinois, renamed Nauvoo, Hebrew for beautiful place. Done with that. Uh, in 1840, John C. Bennett, a high-ranking member of the church and first mayor of Nauvoo, would be dispatched to Springfield to negotiate with the state government to pass the charter of the city, including recognizing and adopting a new militia. After working with the legislature, including Abraham Lincoln, yay, go, go Abe, uh. the charters for both the city and the militia were approved. So now we get to the fun Nauvoo Legion. Here we go. So organization Legion began from the top down. Also took all the terms from like Roman history. I have no idea why. I'm thinking it's just because Joseph Smith was like a history weeb. So yeah, he's like a, he's someone that's very clearly gets into history, but like only watches like the History Channel. Who? Yeah, that's a he like. Yeah, that sounds about right. Really embraced Nicolas Cage's character in National Treasure. <laughs> he's just like made every, that his personality. Every fifty year old single dad who says he's 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 kind of into World War Two. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Honestly, Nicholas Cage with him like perfect casting for Joseph Smith. Dude, if you think truly about it. He is crazy enough. And they've I got like similar like bone structure in their face. <laughs> yeah, kind of got that like slooping nose. It looks like little birds. Bit <laughs> also, Joe, I don't really appreciate you stereotyping me. <laughs> You're not 50 years old. You still got time. You could start a history podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but by just watching the history channel yeah i mean that's all i do that's it. it's we're, fine i don't actually study anything <laughs> that's it we're changing formats um so the Nauvoo legion would have one cohort of cavalry and one of infantry um the size of the legion remain cohort that's great <laughs> yeah i know like i said history weep that's like the greatest like yeah i read josephus what's up <laughs> i am the dictator of utah <laughs> Uh, uh, hey Brigham, could you call me Imperator, please? <laughs> oh my God, I am I am I the would not Kaiser be of BYU. That. <laughs> uh, okay, so the size of Legion remained pretty steady, like twenty five hundred to three thousand. Kind of the highest of God was like five thousand any given time, which is kind of incredible. It doesn't sound that impressive for like a fighting force until you realize like the standing U.S. Army at the time was like eight thousand. Yeah, it was virtually nothing. The, the standing federalized U.S. military was almost nothing until post uh, until around world war one <laughs> yeah. pretty much like we had no standing military until then like all of it was volunteers and militia for yeah. the most part so still a, may not be the best thing for like a religion to have like a militia of five thousand people and be like the largest fighting force in the state of illinois at any given time that can't possibly lead to bad things jordan <laughs> uh <laughs> We will get to that. <laughs> oh, no. So Joseph Smith, like I said before, named himself a general, but not just any general. He named, he gave himself the rank of lieutenant general in which there hadn't been any since George Washington in the United States at all. Oh, yes. <laughs> that, yeah, that is the most like just reaching for the sky rank I've ever heard in my life. He was like, I'm a militia general in the middle of Illinois. I'm a Dude, there is deep love for the founding fathers and the Mormon religion. Like there's like famously like a lot of Mormon paintings that like, Oh, there's also lore that like some of the founding fathers uh, accepted the gospel after like in the afterlife, right. In, in the temple that in is, Southern yeah, Utah. That's, that's very much a thing. Oh, yeah, it was like, yeah, I, it was what like Wilfred Woodruff who like said, like yes. all the founding fathers came to him. It was like, yes. 
do our temple work, sir, yeah. so we can be in heaven. That's right. That's, that's right. I forgot, I forgot yeah. the Mormon church can do posthumous baptismals, can't they? Yep. Baptisms for the dead. Yep. That's thing. That, that doesn't sound, I mean, like, I, I know, like, consent probably isn't a big thing here, but like you can't like <laughs> baptize someone against their will. Yes, I get you that can, they're dude. dead, but come on. You can if they're there's also really bad record keeping because like Anne Frank's been baptized like 57 times. <laughs> Hitler's what? been done like 14 <laughs> times. Stalin's got like three times. Oh um, my god, dude. She's been baptized more than like the additions than like the amount of times oh, her journal's dude. been printed. <laughs> Does the church like do they baptize communists? Like, or is there like a strict anti-communist? Uh... Oh no, they need to be redeemed most oh, of all okay. because they were misled on earth. They're so anti-Semitic, they have to baptize a dead Jewish girl <laughs> fucking the three dozen times to make sure. Jewish organizations that have like begged the church multiple times, please stop baptizing Holocaust victims. <laughs> and it keeps happening. Dude, that's so funny. Oh, God. Oh, that's that's so like funny. my new favorite horrible fact. Oh my gosh. Please stop. Just please. We've told you guys so many times. We're, oh, we're begging you. I know, like, but they would need redemption too. It's like, no, they don't. No, they don't. Just leave it. It's fine. You can't baptize, I'm assuming, hundreds, thousands of Holocaust victims. But also, like, yeah, we're going to baptize Hitler four times, too. Dude, it's all good, <laughs> man. Hitler and Ava Braun needed their temple work done, okay? That's right. Heard, Hitler already did a lot of really good temple work. It was just with a handgun. <laughs> oh my God. Come on. I'm so oh, glad this is on your feed. I'm so glad this is on your feed. Oh. <laughs> God bless you, Joe. I love you so much. <laughs> oh, I, wow. honestly, I am more proud of that joke than any joke I've ever said on the show before. <laughs> oh, that was, you know what it is? You just needed the Mormons to bring out the best in you. Dude, yeah. it takes a lot to shake like my child, more childhood Mormon core. And that boy, that, <laughs> wow. I felt that one in my toes. Fuck man. Across oh. the denominational layup. Oh, slam. <laughs> Oh, okay, well, let's God. get to the, okay. the the best thing possible, which is uh, billets for military units, because that's a very fun thing to talk yes. about. <laughs> anyway, very top heavy organization. They love staffing the top levels of it, too. So in addition to being lieutenant general, he was also president of the court martial because he just loved like accepting like military terms. Oh, of course. Like, and also. He's like, I think Joseph Smith made himself like Lieutenant General because he thought it would make him immune from any sort of like court martial possible because you can't court martial me. I'm a higher rank than all of you. <laughs> That's so if, funny. If five star general was a thing, he absolutely would have made himself one. Oh my He'd make God. himself six. Like he, he'd go on <laughs> That's with like, the, so like funny, the Persian rank. Honest. Oh man. He's like it when like Michael Jordan was a player coach in Space Camp. <laughs> <laughs> it's a baller move, dude. With the same record. <laughs> the, the Nauvoo Legion is the Washington Wizards of American militias. <laughs> Just so washed. <laughs> so he would also have two aide de camps ranked as cavalry colonels, a guard of 12, all of which were infantry captains, and the drill officer that was a dragoon captain. You know, just getting it all the. Yeah, they didn't have that many like men to like have. The, to rank this many colonels and all that. So I don't know they what they're doing. 5,000 people at most. They, they're, they're measuring like one general per company. Oh, man. 
Uh, they would have one major general, John C. Bennett, who was pretty much like the XO. Like they had a bunch of major generals, like pretty much the entire Quorum of the Twelve Apostles were all made major generals for some reason. Perfect. But nice. Yeah. But you had to have like one XO at a time, an executive <laughs> officer. So John C. Bennett, who was a physician and also, like I said, was the first mayor in Nauvoo. He would have an adjutant, a surgeon, a bugler, a quartermaster, a paymaster, a commissary, a chaplain, and all of whom would be like infantry colonels, a sergeant major, a chief musician who would be a light infantry captain. I don't know why a militia needs a chief musician, but then again, like Mormonism loves music for some reason, like at all levels. Yep. So anyway, this is all John's just for him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he personally has a band guy. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> he, he just constantly he, plays his favorite song whenever he enters a room and only him. He's just fancy, dude. He's a fancy just, lad. Just fancy. I mean, like I, I, I like I'm jealous. Uh, new pay. If if I hit if my Patreon grows that high, I'm I'm getting a band guy, dude. I don't I don't go anywhere, but I'll have one. Yeah. If you're, if, I mean, honestly, if you're gonna if you're in the 1800s and you're gonna make a religion uh, and and all of this, this is the way to to, to do it. He laid out the perfect <laughs> outline where you are just like you have like. 20 girlfriends you have a band guy that just follows you everywhere you have like an <laughs> army of dipshits that'll like walk 2,000 miles and die just to go set up <laughs> camp next to a river and it's awesome it's, it's this is perfect the purveyor of dudes rock <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, for more reasons than you think. Anyway, moving on. John C. Bennett would eventually be excommunicated from the church because that man loved to get down. That's the only way you can really put Perfect. that. Um, he told women around the city that he could induce abortions on them if he got them pregnant. Mostly. Dude, Fox. And, and also was really big on the concept of spiritual wife taking. Wait, he fucks ghosts? Uh, <laughs> Please no. don't make it be that stupid. <laughs> It kind of is. This is pretty much where polygamy comes from. Okay. So his big problem, he probably didn't get excommunicated for the spiritual wife taking, but because he discussed saying that Joseph Smith liked doing it. Yep. So like, it's less that you said that you did it. It's more that you said I did it. Yeah. Don't be a snitch. Like Emma's really mad at me now. Way to go, man. (laughs) His wife. This was our secret. Uh, you also had two Brigadier Generals, uh, Don Carlos Smith, who's Joseph's brother, soon died of malaria. Forget about him, whatever, blah, boom. This white, this white man from New York, his name is Don Carlos. Sorry, continue. And dies that's, of malaria. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and also Wilson Law, who would later replace Bennett as Major General after he got fucked out of the army. Perfect. Literally. Literally fucked um, his way out of the army. The only man ever to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, since don't ask don't tell i suppose yeah, yeah there it is true. um wilson law would be the other brigadier general and then later replace bennett as major general he would be excommunicated in 1844 along with his brother and they would both form a newspaper called the nauvoo expositor which then like pretty much just talked about how joseph smith was like a traitor to the country who formed like a council of 50 to eventually overthrow the country that was all true oh yep. so <laughs> yeah Joseph was really big on this concept called theocratic democracy. I do not like which, the sound of that. It's not good. No, which doesn't really sound very, very democratic to me, but hey, I ran has way. elections. It'll be fine. 
<laughs> That's pretty much like where it goes from. And so they formed this newspaper and do, 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 do. Oh yeah. They had 13 major generals in any given time because of course they did. You, you can, you can never lose a war if you have so many generals planning stuff. Exactly. Like just like the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, except for just like in, in like, Illinois. The first human wave attack committed by only generals because there's so many. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm fine with that. Actually, that's not a bad idea. No, we, I encourage it like just for training. That part might have to get cut out. <laughs> <laughs> I did not say anything. I, I already were okay. <laughs> okay, in June 1844, Joseph Smith uh, placed Nauvoo under martial law in response to turmoil that erupted from that newspaper I was talking about. Um, he also ordered the destruction of the printing press that was manned by the Law Brothers, who were former generals in his army. <laughs> it's so dumb, I know. Like all former generals, they go on to write a shitty book. <laughs> and despite all of this the reason they were arrested was because of the destruction of the printing press not the martial law thing not like trying to subvert democracy or anything the, the printing press listen guys it, it, democracy dies in darkness sure does <laughs> they were only anyway, about the destruction of property that sounds also incredibly american <laughs> Look, anyway, you can kill Joseph- as many people as you want but if you break that fucking window i swear to god <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Joe and Hiram were then taken to Carthage jail in Carthage, Illinois, where they were supposed to be under the guard of the Carthage Grays. But the moment that any sort of, uh, any sort of action happened, they all left. <laughs> and then Joseph and Hiram died in a gun battle. So how'd they get a gun in prison? Uh, friends snuck it in and they just, it, they had like a pepper box gun, like one of those like early six shooters. Just jamming an entire old timey revolver up your own ass. Yeah. Oh, you, you really like it's, man. like it's the watch in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> I've kept this revolver in my ass for so many years. It's hard to it's hard to really describe how valorized the death of like Joseph Smith is. Like, there's been countless. Um, Mormon art pieces in like every medium you could possibly come up with to depict like what took place there. And um, yeah, it's, it's like one of the, it's, it's certainly a cornerstone. It's, it's, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of a star Wars reference to complete the, the loop back, but it's, it's Luke finding out, you know, Darth Vader is his father type of foundational. It's like, you can't. It's like, it's like the crucifixion too. Yeah. Oh, it, it really is. It really is. They wrote a song. Of yeah. course they did. Well, there's there's plenty of song. Yeah. It's, to Christ, yeah, too pre- furious. No, there's literally a song about like how like the church worships like Joseph Smith too, called "Praise to the Man." It's like it's set to this. It's set to the music of like Scotland the Brave. Yeah. Except it's all about how like Joseph Smith is a martyr. I'm dead yep. serious. They couldn't yeah. even come up with their own fucking beat. Oh, so, so many sampled? of the hymns are just reused but rewritten with mormon lyrics i can't That's wait till they reuse wap <laughs> <laughs> that might happen but like when glass knight became mormon like she looked at the hymn book and was like you guys gotta like actually write your own music this sucks <laughs> by the way glass knight's mormon yeah. so yep she is anyway so joseph smith died the church doesn't really know what to do with themselves because there's like they had kind of like the same sort of like uh sec um succession process as like 
say Islam did after Muhammad died. Like a lot of them like, well, should we follow Smith's bloodline and just like make his son prophet? Or should we follow his top advisor and just follow Brigham Young? Sorry, I am Sunni Mormon. (laughs) (laughs) That would make you a Brighamite. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Shia uh, Mormon is like the reorganized church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which now I think call themselves like the community of Christ. Yep. They're a lot cooler. They don't really like believe half the stuff like, like mainstream Mormonism does. And yeah, like down when it comes right down to it, not half bad. Abridged Mormonism. It, Pretty yeah. much. Solid. Take the good stuff. So Brigham Young kind of takes over the, the Nauvoo Legion, but at this point it's just pretty much like an organized mob. Like you don't have a charter anymore because you got forced out of your city. So sorry, bro. The vibe. Like take your mob and get out. <laughs> so anyway, Joe, what do you do when you're down on your luck and in need of a lot of money and kind of on the verge of being homeless? Start a Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> Close. You join the army. Also, yes. So this is around the same time that the uh, the Mexican American War starts. Oh no, we deploy. Oh yes, we deploy these people against Mexico, didn't we? Uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So General Stephen Kearney was recruiting for his Army of the West, and a very connected army officer by the name of Thomas Kane uh, petitioned president, uh, president Polk for like, Hey, wouldn't it be cool if we went and recruited all these guys who essentially have their own army still, but not really doing much in Iowa now. Oh no. Sure. And so here's how we got the Mormon battalion. The only uh, organization U S army history to actually be based solely on a religious organization. Oh Yeah. Hell yeah. So there's something super interesting about like, you know, what I was taught growing up around the Mormon battalion, um, specifically with how it ties into how polygamy influenced the church and how it was a a part of the church. Like when I was really young, I was taught explicitly that um, the reason why polygamy was part of the church was because all of the men had to go away while serving in the Mormon battalion. So there were all these women that just like didn't have any husbands. And so like the Lord commanded Brigham Young in particular, who's left with all of these women. Cause all the men went away that like, you guys got to get married now because we need to, cause we need in order for the women to be taken care of, you have to be married to them. Like institutional Jodyism. Exactly. So Meanwhile, he, he, he bought Sheba the entire army. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just basic economics guys. When you've got a surplus of pussy. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like I, like from, I, I distinctly remember being taught that and it wasn't until later when we found out, Oh wait, Joseph Smith had other wives. Wait, why, why? I thought the reason for polygamy was because they all went, all the men went to war. Oh, so they retconned the story and created plot holes. Yep. Yeah, they, uh, that was the spiritual wifery we talked about earlier yep. with uh, former General John C. Bennett, and who uh, like a lot, like a big chunk of the church learned about Joseph Smith having wives like 10 years ago, like literally that recently. That oh, was not. Shit. Yeah. That, yeah. The church started putting out all these like essays, too, because people were just learning all their history from the Internet. And it's like, uh, <laughs> you might need to get ahead of this now. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, which is fun. 
Anyway, so they formed a Mormon battalion, like I said, too. Brigham Young gave a quote saying, I wish them to make a distinction between this action by the general government and our former oppressors in Missouri and Illinois. Suppose, suppose we were admitted into the union as a state and the government did not call on us. We would feel ourselves neglected. Let Mormons be the first to set their feet on the soil of California. This is the first offer we have ever had from the government to benefit us. Captain Allen, you shall have your battalion if it, is, if it has to be made up of our elders. Come, brethren. Let us volunteer. He sounds very sort of like he, he just sounds so patriotic there, right? Yes, he does. Uh, uh, so, like, are they leaving the entire command structure in place full of just dudes who call themselves general on the weekends? <laughs> <laughs> no, not necessarily. Like, this isn't necessarily the same sort of structure, is it? Because unlike Joseph Smith, Brigham Young is a way better leader. Yeah. Like this man, it, like, this man was built for what happened, what, what they choose to do and what happens next. Like, it, like to, con- like to continue our Scientology, like metaphor there too. If Joseph Smith is L. Ron Hubbard, like Brigham Young is Dave is David Miscovich, like to his core. Joseph was the dreamer and Brigham Young is the executioner. Like he, yeah, he's, he's the doer. Yeah. Uh, the, I don't uh, like the sound of that. He's nope. the C. Oh uh, no, it gets worse. <laughs> He's the CEO. Oh, you said it. <laughs> <laughs> so Brigham knew he needed PR. He needed a desperate PR victory for the church anyway, especially how they were pushed out of Nauvoo and Illinois. I mean, also Missouri and also Ohio. He's been pushed out of three states now. Like at this point too, at the going rate, he's been pushed out of like 25% of the country at this point. Only so, like eight more and he's got himself a confederacy. That's right. <laughs> well, this is why we need the Mexican-American war so we can form so many more states to get kicked out of. <laughs> so he knew he needed the PR victory. He also knew that volunteering his followers would give a copious amount of funds needed to move the Saints westward. Because it's not like you're going to let them get their pay. Oh man, that's, that's so much, that's so much better grip. Like, you know, I joined the military cause I had nothing going for me, but like, imagine getting a 5,000 dudes to join the military for you because you have nothing going for you. That's, that's incredible. <laughs> oh, exactly. Also like, like the army today too, that I so, that I so love myself. Uh, they didn't spend their uniform allowance on uniforms. <laughs> How would you, dude? In there. Same. Very much the same. Instead, they took that $42 that they were given to every single one of those those soldiers who enlisted and used it to buy wagons and teams to move the Saints westward to what would eventually become Utah. Also, they got a way better uniform allowance back then because I looked it up. $42 in 1846 is equal to $1,400. Holy fuck. Man, my liver would feel that one. I'd be dead. You give me that like $1,400 in Korea dead. Yeah. <laughs> when you get $1,400 to destroy yourself with, you got to like go to the next level beyond binge drinking. Like, I guess I'm picking up IV drugs. <laughs> so they got, they got a Joe Biden check worth of uniform money. Hell yes. yes. That, yeah. Ex- except no, no, no. They actually got yeah, except it. They actually got the money. Yeah. <laughs> well, not technically Brigham still got it. Oh, I mean, okay. Brigham Young got a lot of uh, COVID checks. Oh my God. So you're saying is in order to get COVID relief, I need to start my own church. Yep. That's the only way. So listen, if Tom Tom Brady can get a PPP loan. (laughs) 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 I mean, technically Uh, we're an LLC for tax reasons. So yeah, I'm going to file that shit. Let's go. (laughs) 
So legionnaires did make up the bulk of the force though, but like the command structure was nowhere near the same. They were actually put under like actual army officers, like actual U S army officers, instead of like the standard, like, no, we're not going to let you guys lead yourself again. You'll probably shoot us. No, <laughs> you'll invade. I don't know. Wyoming. <laughs> Oh, There's nothing man. in Wyoming well, to invade, <laughs> <laughs> especially not in 1840s. Um, so they did the longest march in U.S. military history. Again, <laughs> again, yeah. Well, <laughs> for season for it, they did 1,800 miles. So they did the 1,200 miles from Council Bluffs, Iowa, all the way to San Diego. Remix. We're not good at shooting, but goddamn, can we walk? Oh, and uh, similarly to the um, Polynesian Cultural Center in Hawaii, they also set up a, a Mormon history outpost in San Diego. So if you go to Old Town San Diego, you can go and see where the Mormon battalion marched to uh, and eat some Mexican food because that was apparently part of their journey, they claim. But hey, you know, good times. We, we stopped and got a Crunchwrap Supreme. Early <laughs> into the... <laughs> they also saw no combat, too. So they just like marched. <laughs> 1200 miles uh they did run to like a, a small village of like mexican like territorial soldiers who just like ran off yeah it's like no so they technically like captured tucson but there was no nothing there to capture so huge dub I mean, God. huge dub and they got to celebrate and all the saints moved to utah based off of the money they got from from that deployment because you know just just like today you get that deployment money and you buy that wagon so go for it man utah came with 24 percent interest thank goodness when they got to utah no one was there though right jordan <laughs> yeah just this weird uh, open God. space certainly certainly nothing bad happened next uh this is where it kind of turns <laughs> oh boy like for the worst this is what it feels like to be on the receiving end of this Oh uh, yeah, actually, <laughs> as a matter of fact. So 1847, Utah moves into the uh into the Salt Lake Valley, July 24th, which is Pioneer Day here. It's a holiday. We get to take it off if we honor those sometimes. So with that, it was established as a territory in 1849. First off as a state of Deseret because Brigham Young tried to claim everything. We're taking California. We're taking Nevada. We're taking Arizona. We're taking Colorado. We're taking Idaho. We're taking Wyoming. All of it belongs to us. Dude, the state of Deseret was like half the size of Russia. It's just that he's just <laughs> like, yeah, no, this is, this is ours now. And then the U.S. government kindly told Brigham Young, no. You're not taking the entire landmass of the continent we just conquered. Nice try, though. And so they just gave him Utah. In 1850, it was established as a territory, and the Nauvoo Legion was reestablished as a territorial militia. We're back in business, baby. Oh, boy. All these generals finally have jobs again. It's just a job program for idiots with big shoulder epaulets. Well, luckily, once again, Brigham Young was a way better leader than Joseph Smith was. So he made it much more decentralized, too. He like he let every county essentially run like their own detachment of the Nauvoo Legion. Like, OK, you're a major. You're in charge of this county. Leave me alone. That's it. It seems so, like it could be a problem. We're going to get to that. <laughs> so first of all, like Kyle said, there was uh, people already in Utah. Um, as a matter of fact, quite a few of them because valleys are really nice to settle into, especially in like areas where it gets kind of snowy. So you can actually like stay warm sometimes. And of course, because wherever like white settlers go, there has to be violence that follows. 
we get to the point where it gets really, really rough. Uh, first off, we're going to talk about is the Provo River Massacre at Fort Utah. Oh, oh which, good. Yeah, it's uh, it's not fun. In 1849, uh, Ute, uh, a Ute uh, chief by the name of Old Bishop attempted to confront some hunters who were tracking deer on the land that the Mormons and tribe agreed would not be left, that would be left alone to the indigenous populations there. So like they said for like pretty much like three miles out of like the Salt Lake Valley, we'll leave you alone, it's fine. So these guys go up there to kill a deer. He runs into him, he's like, hey, this isn't your land, don't do this. Well, they just straight up murder him. Okay. And then take his body to the Provo river and then weigh it down with stones because what's better than, than just killing a guy, but an extra fuck you on top of it. Guys, I got an idea. We did this at the bank. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. You just stones and dirt. Let's do it. It's fine. (laughs) Just as heavy as gold, man. No, one will know. (laughs) So after this, because the Timpanogos people like realized like, Hey, our friend is gone. Then eventually like he just floated up. It's like, Oh, wonderful. So they got mad and they started shooting at cattle and stealing the Mormons corn because I would, yeah, you killed my buddy. Well, the Mormons weren't going to have any of that. So on January 31st, 1850, Isaac Higby, who's the Bishop of Fort Utah met with Brigham Young in the church and militia leadership. Young won the Utah Valley since it's much more fertile than Salt Lake Valley because it actually had an honest freshwater lake as opposed to the gigantic salt lake that Salt Lake Valley has because you can't grow crops with that. Nope. But with water in Utah Valley, you could. So since he wanted that land, he put in an extermination campaign against the Timpanogos, ordering every man killed, but the women and children spared if they behaved. That sounds like weirdly familiar. Oh, they learned it from Missouri. From you, Dad. I learned it from watching you. <laughs> we were the baddies the whole time. Always were. Oh. <laughs> On February 8th, the Legion attacked the Timpanogos camp, which was led by Chief Big Elk. Uh, the Legion attacked in armored sleds, which I didn't realize that was a thing until I started researching this. But apparently they just like threw like, like metal plates on the front of sleds because like people who were coming through California would go through Utah Valley and trade with the Timpanogos guns and ammo. So they were lock stock and ready to rock. So it's like, it's like anyway, Mad the, Max winter edition. Pretty much <laughs> just like Santa's got a grand new bag. But, <laughs> oh my uh, God. Santa's got a motherfucking technical. Yeah. He technically would be a technical. Now <laughs> I think about that. Uh, well, maybe it doesn't have wheels. I don't know. I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> oh no, yeah. Technically a technical. Um, so the first day inconclusive, the the Timpanogos were pretty dug in, didn't happen. Um, the ele- the following days, they pretty much just broke the camp and the Timpanogos had to flee. Two just dis- two detachments kind of went up. One went up Rock Canyon, which isn't pretty much near a canyon just in Provo. Big Elk led a bunch of like wounded people up that canyon and the rest of them just fled towards Spanish Fork, which is to the south. Yeah, it's like literally um, right behind Brigham Young University. So uh, it's quite oh. the university is just built in the on Indian burial grounds, essentially. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, 
the Mormon, the Legion detachment that went up Rock Canyon found Big Elk's corpse, a couple of other dead, and around 20 prisoners. They also found Big Elk's wife at the bottom of a large cliff face, which the Mormons from there to the present would call Squaw Peak in honor of her because they are fucking monsters. Squaw Peak is where BYU students go to give each other over the pants hand jobs. You can just drive up there and um, yeah, and it's literally still called Squaw Peak now. And this is why. They are just barely getting around to renaming it. Oh, are they actually renaming it? Like it came up like this year. I don't think Provo has quite done it yet, but it's probably going to happen. It's, so it's, I'm so fucking tired of cancel culture. <laughs> Dude, I had no idea this was why it was called Squaw Peak. I figured it was some shit like that. And then I read through some of like the stuff you had written out. And I'm just like, Jesus oh, Christ, of course God. it is. You know, other than the fact that it's called that, like to this, how many in the pants loads have been fired Dude, off there by it's college literally kids. like a it's it's a makeout spot Jesus it's like Christ. a high school college kid makeout spot and it's called squaw peak <sighs> yeah god it's like it's, if auschwitz became a fucking like a place just hang out and, and yes. fuck your girlfriend that's you, fucking terrible yeah if, if, if like auschwitz hadn't been like turned into what it is it's exactly it's exactly it's just like a where a bunch of people were massacred Oh, God. Anyway, as the motto of your show goes, it gets worse. How does it get worse than dead woman jerk off point? <laughs> it gets worse. Oh, God damn it. Strap yourself <laughs> <Okay>. in, bud. <laughs> so at the end of the battle, about 102 Timpanogos were killed. They, they could be even more. They don't really know because honestly, they didn't really keep good battle count, body counts back then because they didn't give a fuck about these people kind of is in line with pretty much everything else in the time period, especially against indigenous people. But what happens afterwards is even more egregious than anything else, because just listen to this, uh, a, do- a government physician by the name of Dr. James Blake and a couple of legionaries decapitated the dead and used their bodies for medical research. Jesus, this is closer to Auschwitz than I thought. Yeah. Yeah. It gets worse. Oh God damn it. The heads were displayed in front of the prisoners that were mostly women and children who would then be shipped off the Mormon households to be servants and slaves. Oh, fuck. Yep. <sighs> yeah. So I'm curious uh, how many of, of, of the people who threatened women and children with decapitated heads are now like, I don't know, canonized bishops of the church or whatever. It's best not to think about it. <laughs> Anyway, here's what our fun church history blob has to say about this. Oh boy, I can't wait. Nevertheless, for the most part, the saints had more amicable relations with Indians than did settlers in other areas of the American West. Brigham Young enjoyed friendships with several American Indian leaders and taught his people to live peacefully with their Indian neighbors whenever possible. Uh, wait, whenever possible? That's interesting. That's, so that's a funny th- This is the part where they say that, they're like, but he was no angel Yeah. about, about the people they fucking decapitated. Uh, yeah. I also like that they, they had to throw in there. He has some native American friends. <laughs> yes, of course. The, I, I have an indigenous friend defense. Anyway, now we get to the fun Utah war, which is Wait, that's actually all it said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there's more about it too, but it like kind of talks about like all the atrocities, but it was like, um, we were still nicer to the native Americans than most people in the West. So, uh, you know, maybe temper your expectations a tad. Good. Congratulations guys. We're the, we're the fastest kids at fat camp. 
Yep. Even then, I, I don't know if it's that if that's true because like I I've read things in the American West. I have not heard of like hanging like decapitated heads in front of your future slaves. No, like, like they didn't even do that. At fucking wounded knee. No, that's some games of Game of Thrones shit. Yeah. Although since we're speaking about like atrocities committed against like uh, indigenous people too, we can also talk about the Bear River Massacre, which is like the largest indigenous massacre in American history. Where but wait, I thought you friend, had better relations. Oh yeah, this was 1862 though. Um, so, you know, we didn't have to focus on that because the Civil War, it happened the same year as Sand Creek, had a larger body count than Sand Creek, but the commander of this massacre actually got promoted general as opposed to Chevington who just got like court-martialed for it. Mm. A lot of the same circumstances yeah. behind it too. Mainly because the Mormons wanted it to happen. Yep. Also, the scout for uh, that uh, Union Army detail was... Uh, or in, or in Porter Rockwell. Again, he comes back. Oh, God damn it. I know. Okay, so the Utah War. The uh, part where like almost Civil War happens before the actual Civil War happens. Um, in the 1850s, tensions between the U.S. government and Brigham Young would boil over into near conflict, and President Buchanan would take the most decisive action of his presidency, which, by God, is not saying much. No, it is not. <laughs> no, I'm glad he deployed troops somewhere, though. That's a, that's a plus. He should have deployed it to Richmond, but oh well. Yeah. Um. So there's a few causes behind this too. Um, Jim Bridger getting forced out of his uh, trading post by Mormons, especially by a guerrilla desperado lawyer, Danite by the name of Bill Hickman, who's another insane person who keeps popping up at little levels everywhere. Mr. Regular Everyday Militant Lawyer. Well, in like old Western sort of like a lawyer. I mean, like he's like Doc Holiday was a yeah, like Doc <laughs> Holiday was a dentist. I mean, it just it's weird. Yeah, but back then dentistry was like, yeah, I, I have players. Blood doesn't scare me. I enjoy the screams of people. Also, Brigham Young was like really sort of like antagonistic towards the federal government, especially in his speeches too. So, like he would have these massive things because. They were going through a quote unquote reformation there where Brigham Young just went around there and made a bunch of crazy speeches. Like this is where he starts talking about blood atonement a lot. Oh boy. Yeah, it's fun. Blood atonement, if you don't know it, is where if you cut someone, if someone sins so severely that you have to drain their blood in order to actually like to essentially pay for those sins because even Jesus's sacrifice will not cover that. And so like I I didn't realize that was a tenement of Mormon belief for any point. When did that go away? Um, I'm going to assume more recently than I imagine. I don't know if it has gone. <laughs> <Yeah. away. laughs> oh, there's still a lot of people who believe in it, and there is a reason why Utah held on to the firing squad for so long. Oh. It's just kind of frowned upon now. Yeah, it's very frowned upon. Anyway, we'll get the fun things now because federal judges were a real problem in Utah, especially the ones that were that were appointed by Buchanan. Let me introduce you to W.W. Drummond who was named to the territorial Supreme court by president Buchanan Drummond hated the Mormons and they, he, and they hated him just as much. Much of that hatred came from when he introduced his wife to Mormon social circles. The only problem is that wasn't his wife, but Ada Carroll, a prostitute he brought with him from Washington. <laughs> Perfect. Respect. In fact, she also used to sell in court cases and give, give her counsel on sentences too. Hell Yeah. Like I can only imagine just how Utah felt about that too. It was just like, just this lady just comes over and whispers in the judge ears like, oh yeah, guilty. Hang. Done. (laughs) 
I it's now like, present my counsel, the sex worker I brought with me. <laughs> Wait, what did she say? <laughs> Number one wife guy of all time. <laughs> uh, threats towards Drummond would come a lot, especially by Bill Hickman, who we just mentioned too, to the point where he had to move his court to current day Carson City, which was at the time uh, part of the Utah Territory, because despite the fact that they shrunk the territory down, it was still pretty much all of Nevada as well. Fun stuff. <laughs> and eventually the threats got so bad that him and Ada would flee to San Francisco and then back East where they short, they shared all sorts of horrific stories about the Mormons, especially about how they were going to come and destroy us all and overthrow the government and such. Um, this isn't all on Buchanan either. Pierce and Fillmore were also bad at communicating with Mormons and appointing officials that were just openly antagonistic with the Mormons anyway. So at a certain point, it's just like, if you keep sending people that, hate the people they're supposed to serve the people they're supposed to serve hate you back <laughs> yeah yeah yep makes sense yeah absolutely um following the 1856 election and the stories of many federal officials like drummond relaying their experiences in utah james Buchanan proclaimed the utah territory an open revolt and ordered brigham young replaced as territorial governor of course buchanan informed everyone of this except for brigham young <laughs> Brigham Young would not hear about this until General Daniel Wells, who was the commander of the Legion at the time, informed him of the cancellation of the Overland Mail contract on the 24th of July, 1857, the same day as the 10th anniversary celebration of the Saints moving into Salt Lake Valley. Good timing. So, great timing. General Albert Sidney Johnson would lead an expedition of 2,500 men from, from, I think, Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. Uh, Brigham Young seeing an army being formed and coming to Utah declared martial law and mobilized the Nauvoo Legion to prepare for an invasion. Brigham ordered the Nauvoo Legion in the scouting parties in the field, including Colonel Robert Burton to take detachments far east of South Pass on the Continental Divide. Colonel Lot Smith was to command a company of guerrillas to harass the army wagon trains near the Green River, while Porter Rockwell and Bill Hickman and their Danites would also harass portions of the forest that were straggling up in the rear. So they were just getting ready. We can already see that. Brigham is a way better military commander than uh, Joseph Smith ever was. Yeah. Joseph, I can't see Joe from what you've told me of Joseph Smith. I cannot see him pulling this off. No, he would just tell him to stand down and then he gets killed. Yeah. Like if, if it was Brigham Young and like the position of Joseph Smith was in Carthage, like I don't think he would have died. Like they would have probably just like skipped town, but they would have skipped town with everyone alive. <laughs> yeah. Or he'd have a better weapon shoved up his ass and waiting for him in prison. Anyway, <laughs> I traveled through time of, and brought this AK-47. <laughs> in the midst of all this saber rattling between the Mormon church and the government comes the unluckiest bastards to ever, ever travel the West and was the most significant action carried out by the Legion in its history. The Fancher Party was a wagon train of upper middle class Arkansans. Arkansans? I can never say that right. I think you had it right. The Arkansans. Is that really? A yeah, either way. Fair I, enough, I guess. I don't know. I don't think I've ever even met anybody from Arkansas before. I've never. I don't think I have either. I don't think I have either. Yeah, we'll look up the, st the style guide later. Um, in July of 1857, they were on their way to California because they were going to go prospect and all that fun stuff. Uh, when they reached Salt Lake City and attempts for resupply before they headed through southern Utah, what they found was a city locked down and ready for war and siege. So procuring supplies really doesn't happen very easily when you're thinking you're going to be under siege by the U.S. government. So the Fancher Party decided to continue on and move southward even more. 
At the same time of their journey came news that the popular church apostle Parley P. Pratt had been murdered in Arkansas. Uh-oh. Nice. So you're getting, yeah, you're starting to see it kind of coming yep. here a little bit. Yep. Just a bunch While of the wagons wolves. trains were traveling. The Nauvoo Legion of Southern Utah decided to get retribution for the fallen apostle. Isaac C. Haight, a Mormon stake president, angrily told the church meeting on September 6th that the Gentiles will not leave us alone. They have followed us and unhounded us, and now they are sending an army to exterminate us. So far as I am concerned, I have been driven from my home for the last time. So they mean business. This does not bode well for a random group of people at the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> no, it does not. On the 7th of September, the uh, group of Paiute warriors that were in kind of collusion with uh, the Mormons attacked the wagon train, forcing the Fancher party to defend themselves by fortifying their train, literally circling the wagons. Yeah. Um, After four days of being cut off from water and their livestock, Major John D. Lee of of the Nauvoo Legion and the adopted son of Brigham Young approached the party under the white flag. He promised to lead the train to nearby Cedar Cedar City for their safety. But first, they had to surrender all their weapons in order not to provoke another attack from the Paiutes. The Nauvoo Legion then walked the settlers with one guard per member of the party. Down the road, Major John Higby screamed to the guards, Halt! Do your duty! Every soldier then turned and fired at the person they were guarding. Those that survived the volley were then killed by the Paiute warriors who emerged from behind cover and bludgeoned the survivors to death. Oh, God. After that, there was a hasty burial of the 120 to 140 dead. Holy shit. Yeah, only those below the age of eight were spared. And since they did such a hasty job of burying everyone, most of the bodies were subject to scavengers and vultures due to the shoddy attempt. Eventually, the army would arrive and attempt to rebury what they found because they just found it scattered all over the valley. And the army then erected a monument that said, Vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord, I shall repay. Later down the road in 1861, when Brigham Young would visit the site, he had the monument torn down. He responded to the inscription and said, it should be vengeance is mine, and I have taken a little. So, yeah. I'm going to assume that the, uh, the church does not have a whole lot to say on the Mountain Meadows ma- massacre. I'm glad you asked that, because they do. Oh, boy. Here's uh, just a little tidbit from their little article on that. Two facts make the case even more difficult to fathom. First, none, no, nothing that any of the emigrants pur- purposely did or said, even if all of it were true, came close to justifying their deaths. Second, and get ready for this, the large majority of perpetrators led decent nonviolent lives before and after the massacre. This sounds like, like the grand jury's decision after a cop murders someone. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like a group of lone wolves. It's, it's we easy. find that the Nauvoo Legion did not violate protocol. Just a bad apple, guys. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. even it, it wasn't even a bad apple, really. It's like a bunch of apples, and each one of them has just like a tiny little like like rotten spot on the apple that just got cut out one day, and then it was totally fine before and after that. And isn't there some kind of my I my, I could be wrong maybe I'm off but like isn't there some kind of continued contention over a monument over this? Um, there has been. I think the church have kind of settled up for the most part. Like, listen, it's fine. We kind of acknowledge it happened now. Sorry about that. Yeah, because Whoopsie like there's like a, there is a Fancher Party Association who does like the lot like the uh, like organizing over this too and kind of commemorates the massacre a lot. And for the longest time, the church pretty much just like ignored it. But in like the last like couple of decades, if like, okay, 
listen, we're sorry about that. No, we're not going to give you any reparations. Fuck off. <laughs> okay. So the rest of the Utah war was pretty uneventful. Colonel Lott Smith led raiding attacks on the U.S. Army that burned much of their wagon trains and forced the Army to bivouac near Fort Bridger in Wyoming, where the troops called Camp Scott the Camp of Death due to the cold because you just bivouac in the middle of the plains of Wyoming. Yeah. It's going to be a bad time for you. Uh, envoys from Buchanan reached Salt Lake City before the army did. Colonel Thomas Payne, who was our good buddy from the Mormon Battalion, worked with Brigham Young to accept the new governor on the condition that the army did not enter Salt Lake. It was agreed upon. Governor Alfred Cummings and his wife finally arrived in Salt Lake, shook hands with Brigham Young, and the war never happened. The troops would actually form Camp Floyd 40 miles to the south of Salt Lake and stayed there until the outbreak of the Civil War, where the fort was abandoned and the two groups of soldiers would head northeast and southeast including General Albert Sidney Johnson, who would be killed at, at Shiloh because he was a traitor fuck. <laughs> Holy shit. So, end it out here for us, Jordan. Give us the ending, and then we'll, uh, we'll talk about how, th- how things have been for us learning about this uh, through our adolescence into now. Okay, so... That was the last big thing that the Nauvoo Legion did. In 1870, Governor J. Wilson Schaffer shelved the Legion, deemed all of its activities prohibited. In 1874, John D. Lee would be the only man arrested for the Mountain Meadows Massacre. He'd also be excommunicated from the church. His first trial was a hung jury after the prosecutors tried to paint the blame on Brigham Young, but he would then be tried again in 1876, where they painted him as the sole mastermind of it all. He was found guilty and executed by firing squad. His final words were, I do not believe everything that is now being taught and practiced by Brigham Young. I do not care who hears it. It is my last word. I have been sacrificed in a cowardly, dastardly manner. Brigham Young would die five months later from excruciating bout of cholera in the ruptured appendix. Cholera's which, back, baby! <laughs> <laughs> it, came back, it came back for an encore in a big way, too, because I think that's probably not the perfect way for Brigham Young to go. Yeah. The Legion was formally disbanded in 1887 and seven years later reformed as the Utah National Guard. Oh, no. Where they, pr- where they proudly claimed the lineage of the Nauvoo Legion. Yep. Wait. They, yep. they claim the lineage of the Legion. So all of this happened so that Kyle and I could get what? yelled at by <laughs> Utah National Guardsmen this summer at BLM protests. This is how this is how we tie it all into the BLM protest last summer. <laughs> oh god. They're like, hey, hey, did you guys come from Arkansas? No. The fascism they were just runs living deep. up to their heritage. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah. Fucking yeah. How how does the Utah National Guard fucking square this? I mean, I'm sure they don't. Super easily, apparently. Super easily, actually, because like most of like the military apparatus around the church, like involves the Nauvoo Legion in one way or another. Like the ROTC building at BYU is named after general Daniel Wells, who was the commander of the Nauvoo Legion during the entirety of the Utah war, despite the fact that you're supposed to be commissioning as a United States officer and your buildings named after a guy who damn near fought against the United States. So, but then again, the same thing happens with all like the Southern bases anyway. So yeah, the army has a blind spot for that. Yeah, I mean, the Ohio national guard shot a whole bunch of college kids and nobody seems to give a fuck. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, we kind of mentioned it, like, I think it was before we were recording, but talking about like the PR arm of the church 
and how effective they've been, um, not only like in official PR uh, capacities, but really through like the internal mythos that's built, like when you go to church as like a Mormon youth. And like, there are so many pieces of this that you just hear individual, um, like individual parts of what Jordan talked about today, like make it through like the extermination order for, is a good example. Um, no context. I, I mean, everything is, is devoid of context. And I never knew any of this stuff until like incredibly recently. And I never knew a lot of like the behavior of, you know, people, uh, <laughs> the Mormon settlers in the Valley when it comes to um, the native Americans who were living here. And I mean, there's a lot to be said about like just the general um, view of like the American West in that time and how native Americans were treated. But like, I think a lot of Mormon history, like to think that they were um, people who think about Mormon history, think that they were like exempt, exempt from that behavior when like a lot of this is quite literally the opposite. I mean, for oh, even a period in like the 1900s, uh, Utah was also famous for Indian schools. So like kids would um, as, as like projects to try to assimilate native Americans into American culture. Um, kids were essentially taken from homes all over like the American West and sent to Indian boarding schools in Utah throughout like um I think leading up to, to like the mid, yeah, like 1950s, um, you know, Jesus there was one Christ. in particular, there was this army hospital in Northern Utah um, called the Bushnell army hospital. And it was basically just open to, it was built and um, used for wounded world war II soldiers after world war II, that entire army hospital was converted into the intermountain Indian school. And they had Navajo children specifically from Arizona who were taken from their homes and brought to uh, this boarding school. And there's just like so much history of just fucked up shit that we've done. Um, I mean, throughout this entire country, but specifically in the state of Utah. And it was integral with the, the Mormon pioneers moving across the country and coming from a place where they had an extermination order and then essentially coming here and finding natives and exterminating them themselves is just like, it's an incredibly American story. Um, yeah, it just, it fucking pains me. <laughs> I, I had to look it up really quick just to make sure I wasn't like telling any fibs about it too, but I'm on the Utah National Guard website and the top line on it's about us. The Utah National Guard draws its heritage from a militia called the Nauvoo Legion. Yeah. The Nauvoo Legion was organized by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Nauvoo, Illinois under a special charter. It's it's on oh, their front of their right. website. Yeah. So, and I mentioned it before, but there's like a, there's like a group of Mormons um, called uh, the Deseret nation is what they call themselves. It's just an online identifier go by the name of Desnat who, and they, they just do hashtag Desnat and that's how they all find each other. It's how they all ship post and, um, and all that. And they've essentially built an identity around like this type of um, what really is just like pretty basic Western chauvinism, but incredibly violent in, in the 1800s. And it's been an equal reaction to more people in the church learning about some of the things that took place during this time period, because there are so many people um, who have had no idea. And I 
gigantic majority of the church still doesn't know anything about this. The missionaries that go out and teach people about the church all throughout all corners of the world would never talk about this type of history. We had, I, I like, we all had classes in elementary school growing up. That was a specific Utah, or I guess it was middle school, Utah history class. And I never learned yeah. any of these. I, I learned about the, the Mount Meadows massacre briefly, but not really anything really in depth about it. Um, I- incredibly cliff yeah, notes but we, version, we had a year long class like, called utah history and like none of this stuff was really yeah. in there it's just like the pioneers and like, then, then, then. yeah and it was like yeah the mountain meadows massacre was a thing that happened yeah. the end well, yeah i can't i mean that would be to me like taking i don't know history of the catholic church from a catholic school yeah, you know? I mean, but yeah, exactly. when, when you have Utah legislature who's like um, disproportionately Mormon writing essentially or approving the curriculums for schools and right. this is that's like curriculum, of course, this is what's going to happen. So and and you also get like the release time from high schools to go to seminary for four years, too. Yeah. So like, is that common? Okay, so. Yeah. Yes. Like every high school, every high school, middle school, public high school and middle school in Utah has a seminary building. That's incredibly close um, where students will like one period out of every day or every other day will go to seminary class. Seminary is like a very like uh, misleading phrase for that one too, because it's mainly just like you go learn about the church for an hour and then you go to math. Now is this (laughs) like required? No. Um, it's well, not necessarily required socially. <laughs> socially. Yes. Like I am technically a seminary graduate from the church because I went for four years, even though, I mean, yeah. really for Wait, me, you that guys, was, you guys made it all the way well, through. I, I got my, I yeah. got the oh, thing. You but I mean, I, I don't know how I did. Cause I used that hour to just go get like pastries or whatever. <laughs> at the grocery store. Yeah. That was always, that was always the one where it's like, I didn't want to have to take two electives and like take uh weightlifting yeah. so i would just ditch seminary and go to the gym yeah, that's, solid that's choice that sounds way better so like uh, how old or what level of education i don't know um if you're college graduates or not or if that's even taught in college there i would assume definitely not if you went to byu yeah like how old were you when you found this out or did you just like stumble upon it bored on the internet like i'm yeah, curious I, how this I, is found out for me that's exactly what it was I, I i stopped going to church like in my like mid-teens i was like 16 or 17 um so I, uh none of us went on like a a, a a mormon mission my family is still incredibly active and of course i would never learn this from them so really it was like and I, I, I went out pretty easily of the church. Like a lot of people have very dramatic leaving stories. Generally, the deeper you were into the church, the harder it is for them to leave. And a lot of those people are the ones who dive the, uh, who dive the deepest into this type of stuff. So it took me a while to really get into learning about some of this history. And it wasn't until just like, I'm 28 now. It was like my, like, like when I was like 25 is when I first learned about this type of thing. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was a I was a history student in college and all that, too. And if you want to be Mormon um, and stay Mormon, studying history is probably not the best way to do it, especially in the state <laughs> of Utah, because you learn some messed up things quickly. It's just like, what? Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Greg? And that was yeah, that was kind of it for me. I was turned off from Mormonism at a pretty young age. I kind of had to stay in it for like family things. Like I was kind of forced. It was like, Hey, if you want your driver's license, you got to go to church kind of shit. Um, so like I stayed in, but like, 
I stopped going to church at like 16 and I actually got kicked out of seminary <laughs> one class. You're at the gym the whole time. Well, cause of like, well, well, no, like, like there was a very definitive moment, like my falling out where I was a, I was a sophomore in high school and I was in seminary and I forgot the lesson. I don't know. We were talking like Noah's Ark or I don't know, some bullshit. And I was like, I was just simply asking questions because like the math was not adding <laughs> was up. Just was questions. Like, this, this doesn't make sense to me. Can you explain this to me? Like I'm five. And the seminary teacher got like really fed up and was just like, you need to go. You're distracting class. And I was like, okay, bye. I'm never coming back. How, uh, <laughs> like how prevalent is this? I, I don't know. Like, honestly, being on your show and now you coming on my show is the most exposure to Mormonism I've ever had. Um, so like, I have no idea how prevalent this is of like people in I, like, obviously the, the Desnat weirdos yeah. learning about this stuff and then being like, this is good actually. Um, how common is it for people to have your reaction when they're like, when you're just like, holy shit, this is bad. It's probably more often that people like find that like, holy shit, this is bad because like, they say like the main reason like Desnet actually started was because like all these white nationalists who identify as Mormon, like we're just getting ratioed on Twitter all the time. <laughs> so, so they literally, I'm dead serious. Yeah. Like they literally they say were this, literally like, tired of, of like what they call progressive Mormons, like talking shit to them on Twitter and ratioing them on Twitter. So the Desnet hashtag was created as a fucking bat signal to give each other backup when they needed like, um, when they needed their reinforcements to show up and like toss them a like or a retweet. That's literally how it started. So, I mean, people are like, you'd be hard pressed to find like active Mormons who would defend this type of thing, but there's always like, there's always um, justifications built in when it comes to like, you know, people like the gospel is true. People make mistakes. Like people do bad things, but mm -hmm. the gospel itself is true. So regardless of like what, um, you know, how this has impacted my view on the church as, as a whole, all this is for someone who can, who can continually remain active and think this is incredibly bad. All it does is to them is say like, people do make mistakes and people do bad things, but the gospel itself is true. So there's nothing really like this that can get to people in my opinion. Which is also under like a bigger umbrella because one of the things that the church loves to say, and it's like their greatest kind of like PR slogan is God works in mysterious ways. Oh, I fucking hate that. And if, and, and then, and it's also under the guise of faith where like you are a bad Mormon if you question this and you, and you don't have faith in God and his mysterious ways. So it's kind of like this gigantic bandaid that just covers all wounds. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah it, it really is. And it's also like, um, it's, it's really tough that like they can, you know, it's always, it's always built in and those defenses are built in where there's always a reaction to it. And when you, when it's all based on faith or believing in the, in, in the church, like nothing like this will ever turn them away. Um, and a lot of like more modern uh, apostles and prophets really steer away from talking about this, this era of the church. Like 
there's always this, this focus on pioneer spirit and like, you know, we're here for each other. I mean, really it's just like they want to do socialism or communism, but like their way or, or whatever. And there's <laughs> like social safety, like there's the Bishop's storehouse. Like if you need food or whatever, like every ward has like a storehouse of food. So like there's like good, the, good social like safety net type things that are built into this type of thing. But like, um, you know, like it, it yeah, it's, it's, it's just really, uh, it's really confusing how people can just continually buy into it and just ignore this type of history. But like, like I said, like the more that, that these, as time goes on, these church leaders don't really talk about this time in history because there's nothing good to say about it. And they, they talk about like the pioneer spirit of persevering or whatever, but the more they bring attention to this era, the more like the more dirty, the shirt looks really. So the more they can just focus it on like a sense of community and like loving one another, however they mean that. And like, you know, just having faith, it's really basic the way they talk about certain things now. Um, but it's really to mask it from like what the true history is and the true history of like how the church came to be and how the state came to be is incredibly ugly. Yeah. Despite like Brigham Young being like the person who probably saved the church from destruction after yeah. Joseph Smith died, they never talk about yeah. it outside yeah. like the naming of the university. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Wow. Like, like if you watch because, like general conference, which is like the big, like global broadcast they do twice a year, they don't talk about, about um, Brigham Young anymore. And they've like no, encouraged they, people to move their testimonies even away from Joseph Smith because they don't want to be seen as like the Joseph Smith church. They don't want to see, be seen as the church that worships Joseph Smith. So, and they, they don't want to be like, they, they're trying to turn everything towards Christ as much as they can. Like they don't, they, they think Mormon is like a slur now, essentially they've, they're really just the church of yeah. Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I heard they completely moved away from calling yeah. themselves that at all, which I, I mean, mean, I don't know if that was ever next official, week. Yeah. And then- I don't know if that was ever the official title or whatever, but it never was, but like, it was like, it's kind of just like this slang. It was incredibly harmless slang, like everyone. Yeah. But it's really I mean, it's just a book of Mormon. Yeah. Like, yeah, all it's, calling it's it to refocus. Is, yeah. It's a branding exercise to refocus attention. <laughs> in my opinion, away from like things that are really damning about like the church's history. Um, so yeah, it's, yeah, oh, man, it's, it's really tough stuff to like learn about this type of thing. I mean, it's hard, <laughs> it's hard to like, it's hard, I don't, I don't know about these guys. It's hard to square like a lot of this stuff um, with the people I still have in my life that are like my close mm-hmm. family and friends who are still, you know, in this, I mean, yeah. sl- slower. I mean, I really don't have very many, close friends at this point who are into it but like my brother who's like one of my best friends is and it's like i, I don't know i i almost prefer i don't know if they know about this type of thing um my dad was a political science major so i assume he does know a lot of these things but you know something else that's bit that's baked into the cake here is that they think part of like um stuff that you're taught when you're growing up is like the more attention the more opposition the church faces like the more you'll be rewarded essentially for being faithful and like, and like maintaining your testimony. Like though, that's just more of a test for you. Oh yeah. It's a test. That's, that's a huge so, thing. And, and there's this thing that's like, you know, if the things they say about the church were true, if all these critiques were true, then the church would have collapsed because their the cornerstone is the book of Mormon. And if the book of Mormon weren't true, then the church would collapse. So any, so clearly 
like the church would have collapsed already if the Book of Mormon weren't true, because there's been scholars, there's been the historians that have written about the Book of Mormon and, and trashed it, but somehow the church remains. So clearly it must be true. There's like stuff like that built in, like oh, okay. the, the mere existence of the church is proof that it's real because of like how many people have bought in. It's just, it's, it's incredibly tough, but this is, uh, this is what we're dealing with here and our legislature, almost all of them belong to this. So. Yeah, my uh, my normal co-host when the army doesn't steal him, Nick, was raised in Catholicism, and uh, you know he left. I mean, you don't really leave the Catholic yeah. Church; you stop going to church. But uh, yeah, he stopped going as soon as he could, and he still has family that goes. And he says like a lot of the same stuff as like I have no idea how my family can you know knowing everything that we know um, about you know the child abuse epidemics and yeah. all the other fucked up things the Catholic church, the list is thousands of years long. Um, it's, he's like, I, I, I don't know how the fuck they, they do that, you know? Yeah. I mean, at a certain point it just becomes like second nature to a lot of people. And it's far more, I mean, it's scary to question such foundational beliefs um, when you've built right. your entire life around it. Like at this point, um, with what my, like spe- speaking very personally and open here, like my, I, I would, I don't really want my parents at their age to like, have like a faith crisis that shakes their, them as a person, like whether or not they, they understand the gravity of like, like what we learn today or like anything else, um, that the church has done that I would deem, um, uh, very bad. Like whether or not they acknowledge that that's real, I don't think really makes much of a, a material difference in the way that they live their lives. But um, you know, I don't want them to have like a big faith crisis where they think like, oh God, like what if I spent my entire life uh, like building around this very core foundation and I've like built everything based on this. And that, that's a really scary feeling for a lot of people to have. So a lot of people are easy, like can easily tune that out. And I don't necessarily want my loved ones to go through that because I honestly don't think it makes much of a difference when they're not like in a position of power to influence people's lives. Um, And a lot of like, you know, the American brand of racism apparently um, isn't really, I mean, other than uh, like the modern racism isn't like super in your face. It's more like um, the Mormon, like Mormons are famously really nice people and uh, like the regular Mormon person, like the Mormons next door or whatever, like in, in, in other States um, I think in positions of power, that's where like the actual, um, undergirding like darkness of the religion can like seep through and cause actual problems. But normal Mormon people are generally really nice. And so like the Mormon church has an incredibly racist past. And I I don't think we mentioned it, but Brigham Young in particular and his uh, would have instituted slavery if he had gotten his way in the state of Deseret. Holy Um, fuck. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, like chattel slavery. Yes. There was a, there was a great, great tweet by like Burgess Owens, who was like our Republican QAnon congressman now here too, who for black history month, like mentioned, like this is the first black man who came into the Salt Lake Valley and he served valiantly and all that too. And it was like, there was like, you forgot to mention he was a yeah. slave too. literally <laughs> a, a slave. Jesus so Christ. like your average Mormon doesn't know this history. And like, you know, they, they're 
brand of internalized racism is very, um, very mild in comparison to anything like that or the church's history itself. So, I mean, you know what it reminds yeah. me of is that remember when we were at the, the protest and like the big sign that went viral was welcome to Utah, the nicest racism you'll yeah, ever, yeah. Like, you'll ever <laughs> yeah, see. It's exactly that. And so like, and I say all this to, to really say like, I mean, I, I don't think that the behavior of the church in the 1800s really reflects your average Mormon person that you'd encounter. They likely don't know any of this anyway. And if they're anything like how we grew up, that's just like your way of life. And that's just how you were raised. And you, that's, those are your friends. You gotta, you like, you see them at school, you see them on Sundays. Those are, that's just like your group. It's your neighborhood. It's, it's all of that. But like, I mean, it's, it's, it's leaving the Mormon church. I had to get a lawyer to get my name removed from the, the records of the church. Like that's, it's like, uh, it's shit. a very, yeah. <laughs> um, it's like an intense, intense thing to get out of. It's, it's, it's like, it's so much different than just, um, like how cath uh, how Catholicism is for, for a lot of people. Uh, but it's a very uniquely American religion in how, in, in its history it's, um, yeah. It seems like yeah, you know, we we keep pointing out it's uniquely American, and like it seems to be like the um, I don't know, like the, the the id or something of what a lot of Americans want America to be. But if you just like substituted out Mormonism for you know evangelicalism or whatever, yeah. uh, because it's, you know you have the historical revisionism, the 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 obvious uh, revulsion of confronting your past. Uh, of all of those things that you know we've been talking about for fuck almost like three years now, yeah, uh, you know, like no, it was it it was states' rights, and you know we should put up giant monuments and name buildings after disgusting people. Don't look too in, don't look too far into it though. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. and if you try to confront those things, uh, you know, obviously we're cultural Marxists or or whatever, or we're engaging in cancel culture when we're just trying to confront our own histories. Um, and like that, that seems like Utah seems like the most distilled part of America I've ever heard. Yeah. Yeah. Just with and its own like, religion. Mm -hmm. We brought up MLMs <laughs> multiple, like uh, multiple times. And it's, it's the absolute capital of this in this country of multi-level marketing schemes. It's, it was, it's like, it's, it's crafted to an art in, in this, in this state. And it's just like, yeah. Um, Mormons are what evangelicals think they are like they it's, it's absurd. And that's, you know, and their unquestioning loyalty is what, like what we saw, whether it's uh, marching 2000 miles for nothing or just, you know, massacring people who are just traveling through the state um, that unquestioning uh, loyalty leads them to be really good CIA agents like Evan McMullen. So the basic instinct you saw from like the beginnings of Mormonism is like the basic instincts you see today too. It's all based off of like sex, fear, and greed, like from the very beginning. And it's always been that way. And it's still that way today too, because there's a reason why Utah leads the nation in plastic surgery and, and also multi-level marketing too. Yeah. And porn addiction. <laughs> and porn addiction. Yeah, I, I can't drink caffeine, but I can get my fucked up nose fixed. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's a very repressed culture. Well, I, I don't know if you've seen Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, but like there, some of those women are not repressed at this point. They're living, <laughs> uh, they're, they're living their best and lives. I would, and I would like to keep it that way. Yeah. Uh, you, you so we've been going for like 
two hours. Yeah. Um, I don't know how long. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how long we were supposed to go, but yeah. I have no idea. I felt like I have a cap. Um, <laughs> but Nate's going to hate us. He, you know, he's been dealing with me for almost three years. This is not the worst thing he's ever nice. had to deal with. Um, <laughs> and honestly, this is probably like one of my favorite episodes I've done um, in a very long time, if not ever. Um, one, I didn't have to research it. Yeah. Uh, and two, this has been <laughs> fucking hilarious. I got to learn about something I know absolutely nothing about. I hope, you know, people are in the same boat as me. Um, but this is the part of the show, even though this, to me, this entire episode has been a plug for your show because this has been fucking hilarious. <laughs> I promise. I promise we don't talk about this stuff that much. Like this is the first time we've done like a, a deep dive into, um, Mormon militia, I think, right? I don't think <laughs> yeah. we've mentioned this you, before. You come here for the war crimes, you go there for the Mormonism. Uh, so, yeah. like, you can use this point to, to like say what your what your show is, what uh, what it's called, plug it, plug it. This, this is the P. This is the plug zone. The P zone. The P zone. Kyle, take it away. Okay. Well, let's see. I, I what's our Twitter handle? <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, it's by Money Pod, Brigham Young Money Podcast. You'll if you search it there, you'll find us on Twitter, and our our handles are in the in the bio. Um, yeah, we we generally talk about more contemporary stuff. We also talk about like sports as well because I, the intersection of of politics and sports in this in this state in particular is hilarious and depressing. If you look at our <laughs> NBA players Instagram comments, it's a fucking disaster. Um, so we talk about a lot of different things. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know what else do you, what else do you guys want to say? Well, now that since I got like a taste of the blood of research, now I might start doing more historical things for Utah too. I have always wanted to write now real. Yeah, it really is. Exactly. I'm like, I, I'm like really, uh, now I'm going to leave things up to Jordan a bit more to carry our episodes because he did a fantastic <laughs> job today. It was amazing. Yeah. I'm going to start like the next episode I want to do, if we're going to do a historical one is going to be on the myth that there is, there's actually like whales in the great salt oh, lake. That yeah. some sort of like Australian scientists supposedly like dumped in there. We have a ton of <laughs> I don't stupid think it's Utah true, lore, but just offload all Tons. the fucking whales Dude, there. I, I thought that was true. I thought they did bring some whales from like California on a train and they put them in their Great Salt Lake and they just fucking died. That's what just I thought. To make a point. Like, no, we no, said this they, they fucking whales. They We're going to put whales here. They didn't realize just how salty the water was. They thought it, it's like the ocean that whales could live in here. First of all, the Great Salt Lake is like 10 feet deep, even though it's <laughs> fucking gigantic. <laughs> so, Fuck, um, we high centered the whale. <laughs> Dude, I. Yeah. Shout out to Shocks for our episode on SLC Punk where they actually talk about that exact thing. Oh, that's they really? Right. Fuck, I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Yeah, we just did an episode about SLC Punk. So search Brigham Young Money on any podcast. So Spotify. you guys are, ju- are just getting more and more in tune into the Bethea podcast universe. And yeah. it's. Yeah, Fine. pretty much. Like I went yeah. on hell of a way to die. Like we had shocks on, we've had you on. Like I'm just trying to like essentially just like shoehorn myself in the trash future at this point. <laughs> nice. You and me both. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> oh, only recently did I get Nate on my own podcast. Uh, but uh, if I had to listen to me for at minimum an hour a week, I wouldn't want to do it either. Um, but thank you so much, guys, for doing this. Uh, listen to their fucking show. It's hilarious. Um, and, uh, you know, this is normally we have like a quippy remark. Uh, I'd like until next time. Don't massacre wagon trains. Uh, God, God be with <laughs> yeah. you. Uh, Enjoy yeah. your cholera.
Oh my God. <laughs> Enjoy your cholera. Choose the left. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, be careful with that temple work out there. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys.